calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, it's Malls. Thanks so much for listening to Please Advise. Just a quick message before the show. Don't forget to subscribe in iTunes. It's super helpful for us and super helpful for you. You can also call 323-450-7408 to get your calls on the show. Again, 323-450-7408. Or email askpleaseadvise at gmail.com with your voice notes or emails. Thanks so much. Hey guys, it's episode 138 of Please Advise. I'm Malls. Welcome back to the show. Today we have a very special guest who we might have teased on an upcoming episode. It's Christina Lopez's mom, Diana Lopez. Hi, how are you? Hi. It's so good to see you. It's great seeing you too, Molly. I know. It's going to be nice to catch up too. We talked all about me before we started this, so I love to know what's going, what's going on in your life. How's your summer going? Well, I'm here with uh, Christina, so I'm happy about that. It's a vacation that I haven't had in over two years, so yes. I'm happy about that. And it's her birthday. Yes. Happy birthday, <laughs> Chrissy. 30 fun, you guys. 30 fun? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 31 was a good year, actually. <laughs> Once you get 30 over, because there's so much expectations behind like the change that you go through in your 30s. Once you hit 31, you really start to like feel it sink in more. Totally. It's very, very good. Good. I love being 33. I talk about it all the time. Um, how is your granddaughter? Oh my God, she is adorable. She is. I so love tell her. me everything. She's talking a lot. Um, she's funny. She's very lovable. Um, it's just watching her grow and and because she's uh, my son's daughter, it's mm-hmm. really exciting to me. I love being a grandma. Yeah. Wait, well, what's the name that she calls you? Because she Gigi. She calls me Gigi. She doesn't call me Mama. She doesn't call me Grandma. What That's, does Gigi stand for? Gorgeous Grandma. That is so. I wonder <laughs> if Chris Kardashian stole that from you because that's what the Kardashian kids call her. I think. Oh. Yeah, Gigi. Really? Yeah. Wow. I think she stole it from you. Yeah, I think so too. Um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so you guys all live really close in Brooklyn, right? Yes. So you and get I'm, to see her a lot. I do. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, I was the past month in June because my son went back to school. So I was taking care of her after And work. like, honestly, Stephen has two master's degrees. What is he going back to school for? 
well, you know, your brother. Yeah. He's always <laughs> wants to continue studying. He loves studying. So show off. What are his two master's degrees in? Uh, public public administration, administration and master in education. There you go. Well, that gets you a better salary too, right? The more yes. master's degrees you have. And he have. didn't pay for either of them. That's no. the thing. It's like he was working at a college when he was getting the public administration degree. Right. And then he entered a fellowship with New York City Public Schools and they paid for his teaching master's degree. Yes. So he's just like gaming the system for his own benefit. I mean, I think that's kind of the way you got to do it if you're going to be a public school teacher. It's like the smartest way to keep your career growing. Yeah within the system you know he'll probably be like a principal before you know it do you think he wants to be the principal well he's actually going to school now to get certified to, to become an assistant principal oh nice yeah but Very that's why nice. he went back to school Mr. Lopez I love it yeah. <laughs> so um what are your big plans for while you're out in LA well every day my daughter has something for us to do so I'm just so look every day I look forward to something different so, so Christina as someone who's a planner someone who's thoughtful someone who has a mom here who's not like my mom and just wants to go shopping and lay in bed and watch tv with me all day what are you uh planning on doing because I'm sure a lot of people who live in LA either haven't had their parents visit or have had them visit and have no idea what to do with them besides take them to the beach one day so what are you guys doing so the thing with my mom is that I've lived here for almost a decade and she's visited me like about six times and every single time we go on a road trip and yeah. she's seen like all that LA has to offer really. Yeah. So the tricky thing is like finding something new. We decided not to go out of town this time. So um, I think we might drive up to Ojai for like a little day trip tomorrow. Right. And then Monday, we're going to Malibu Wine Tasting and Safari. Oh, so fun. I've always wanted to do the Safari. Really? Yes. Yeah, no, I've heard it's I'm so, so much I'm so looking fun. forward to it. Yeah, so I, I mean, surprised this, over that. Actually, this is a vacation for me, but it seems like every day I have something different to do. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Tuesday, my birthday, we don't really have anything planned no, except for a nice dinner. but it's your dinner. birthday, yes. Yeah, we're going out to get some steak Where at Ruth Chris. Go? Oh, nice. Okay. I know, it's a chain, but, you know, it's, it's good. We like no, it. No, Ruth Chris is great. And then um, Wednesday, we're actually meeting up with Ryan Bailey to go to a taping oh, right. of yeah. One Day at a Time. I know. I'm so Ryan excited. Ryan was like, oh, Molly, he's like, you're going to be out of town for that. And I was like, I'll survive. Like, <laughs> And he was like, he was like, well, you know, I just thought it would be nice for you to go by the set. And, and I was like, okay, thank you. Ryan <laughs> Bailey's watching up for my career on the One Day at a Time tapings. Yes. But um, I wonder, I do know someone, I think, who writes on that show. So I wonder if I can tell him that you guys will be there. Oh, yeah. Well, Ryan's going with us. And so he knows the co-creator and like one of the actors on the show. So I think he's planning on taking us to meet some people. You've never done that, right? No, I've never done that. I'm looking forward to it. Bring a sweater. They they freeze the audience out so that you guys stay. Well, because it's like the actors are hot under the lights. I'll tell you as someone who stood in between the audience and the state and where the actors were, I was wearing a North Face parka every night that we did the show. Like when, when I was on Two Broke Girls, like everyone would dress up because I guess like the old traditional multi-cam would be to dress up. No one dresses up on any other show that I can think of anymore, but we would always dress up. And then like, it'd always be like, well, I'm going to put on this dress in my office or like this nice, like pair of pants and this great top. But like, I'm going to go put a parka over it because you're freezing. So make sure you bring a sweater because they freeze the audience out to keep you guys awake. So you'll laugh. I'm glad that you told me that. Yeah, no, it's good to know. I mean, it gets chilly. Um, 
And uh, I'm sure there's a way. I bet if you're going with Ryan, you can probably figure out a way to sneak your phone in, too. They take your phone, just oh, so you know. Really? Because mm-hmm. they don't no. want you, they don't want you uh, yeah. taping anything or taking pictures? Yeah, they don't want it going off. They, they you know, they, they claim it'll probably, like, interfere with the microphones or something. But all the writers have their phones, you know. So it's wow. not – but they take everyone's phones. And mostly probably because people are not trustworthy and they'll say they have their phone on silent. Or, like, you know, people always think they're the yeah. exception of the rule. So they'll, like, yeah. be like, oh, no, my phone won't make – you know. Can't well, have your I'm, phone. I'm glad you told me, Molly. Yeah. You told me about the cold. I didn't know that. Wow. I didn't know either of those things. So it's good that Molly is informing us of that. It's really fucking cold. Yeah. <laughs> You've come to, you're less cold than me, though. Like, you generally run warmer than I do. I'm always freezing. I'm always cold, usually. But um, I also wear, like, cardigans all the time. Yeah. And you're more like a sleeveless girl. I am. And shorts. Like, I'm always yeah. in jeans and a cardigan. That's yeah. why I run out. <laughs> like, I just normally am wearing more clothes than you. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, so, Diana, did you prepare three reasons? I know you're qualified to give advice. You're a mom. That automatically qualifies right. you. Yes. But did you bring three reasons why you're qualified to give advice on today's show? Yes. So one of the reasons is I've been married for 37 years. Mm-hmm. And I've been in a relationship with my husband actually 42 years. Wow. So when it comes to marriage or relationships, I think I'm pretty experienced. Yeah. What's your that. Ruby anniversary it's called? Is coming actually, up? my anniversary was this week, 37 years. And when you're, it's 40 though, it's the Ruby anniversary, right? That's what they call it. I have it. no idea. I, I don't like know, as opposed I don't know to the that, golden anniversary. So I think it's like. The golden, 50, I think it's 50. 50. 50. 50. Is golden, so I think yeah. 40 is called a Ruby anniversary. Yeah. That's what I recently learned. Yeah. Really? Maybe, I'm yeah. going to have to look that up to see. Yeah. So I guess, you know, you're, you should look forward to some rubies. But mm. congratulations on 37 years of yeah. marriage. It's a lot. It is. You it's guys sick time. of each other? You know what, Molly? I've been very lucky. I've been very lucky with my husband. I'm, I'm, I can actually say that I'm really still in love with my husband. Oh, yeah. Gross. And I think you know that. We I talk think, about yeah. that on the podcast, actually. We, <laughs> we talked do. about it like last week. Yeah, she wouldn't know because she doesn't listen regularly. <laughs> no, oh, no that's okay. I get weird. My mom listens. And I'm like, please don't. She's like, I love your podcast. And I'm like, what, what episodes are you listening to? Um, but yeah, okay. So then reason number two. I think uh, I've been in HR for a long time. I work in human resources for over 20 years. So I'm kind of experienced when it comes to uh, employee-employer relationships. And being a mom of two wonderful, great kids. Yeah. Is that your third reason? Are you moving on? That's my third reason, yes. Um, Wait, can I? So basically, like, HR is an illusion in our industry. Like, of course, they have it. You know what I mean? But no one's allowed to go to it or you never work again. And so I was wondering, like, what is the craziest thing that out of all the years without uh, blowing anyone's cover, what is the craziest things you've heard as an HR person? Well, if we go into the sexual harassment, that's really very interesting. Yeah. Is there a lot of that? Well, I work for uh, higher education. Yeah. Or City University. And um, we've heard some really great whoppers from situations when it comes to sexual harassment. Like Trump level whoppers? Yeah, like Trump level whoppers. Like within the, t- within the teachers or like, so can a student well, you go to HR? No. Um, mostly it's employer. Employee, okay. Like supervisor who sexually harasses. And Got sexually it. harass can mean many things. Like nowadays you really can't comment on someone how they dress. No. How they look. Yeah. Like you can't even give somebody a compliment on their hair because you I never know. I do that know. at work sometimes. And I'm like, just so you know, it's not like a sexual harassment thing. But I noticed you have a haircut. Yeah. Great. Yeah, because nowadays <laughs> you have to be very careful. 
Yeah. Just, just because you give someone a compliment, you don't know how that other person's going to take it. Yeah. So you have to be very careful nowadays. Yeah. So I kind of did some training on that also. I was like a trainer when it came when it came to sexual harassment and also workplace violence. And I've probably been sexually harassed in every workplace I've ever been in. I'm sure you have. <laughs> yeah. No, okay, so uh, wait, what do you mean? Industry, yeah. You know, in the, oh, sure. Yeah. What do you wait, what do you mean workplace violence? Well, workplace violence has really gotten out of hand right now. Uh, you hear the other day in the Bronx, but yesterday, as a matter of fact, the doctor went into uh, the workplace and shot up three people. Oh my! Well, yeah, that's so that, definitely that's qualifies. So, yeah, so you really have to train people uh, what to do if there is such a case that ha- what happens and what should you do. Yeah. So I think it's become so obvious nowadays because people are so angry. Yeah. That's why I'm always nice to people when they come in because I'm in HR, so I always have to be really nice to everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you never know. You know, we kind of terminate people, so you know we have to treat people really nice and. You know, you got to be very careful. You got to empathize with everybody. Have there ever been like very bogus complaints? Yes. You look for, you, like you look into it and there's no sexual yeah, when harassment it comes to, there. Yeah. When it comes to workplace violence, sexual harassment, there's a line that you can't cross. And some people may think it's sexual harassment or some people may think that it's workplace violence. So we always have to do an investigation. Yeah. So that's tough too. It requires a lot of honesty from people. And I, one thing that I always think of is when we used to do every year um, at Warner Brothers, they'd bring us all in and we'd all have to do like the sexual harassment seminar and everyone would like, you know, laugh about it all day and be like, oh, we have to go to, you know, the harassment seminar. And, um, you know, cause you just, you feel like you're going to sex ed when you're in high school or something. It's like, oh, this is going to be embarrassing. It's going to be a waste of time. And um, one thing that I, that always like stuck with me that was just like, Wow. Uh, was that, you know, you can be in a situation and people may even laugh like like they may laugh and say like, oh, that's like funny, like or I'm in on that joke or whatever, which is why like it's even joking is something to be cautious of because someone just because someone laughs at something doesn't mean that they weren't negatively affected by it right. and that like it didn't ultimately feel like harassment to them. And like laughter is one thing in particular that can be just interpreted so many ways and also it's a, a defense mechanism or a reflex for mm-hmm. a lot of per- people when they're really uncomfortable to laugh. I don't know if you ever. Oh yeah, watched- that's my that's my reaction. Like I remember when my aunt died, I was la- I was cracking up at her funeral, and I'm just like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> but it's Caroline like- from Real Housewives of New Jersey does that, like to the point where it's like, what is it's like, what is going on? Because she's just like she's laughing, but she's like crying, but she's also like talking about her sister having her kid taken away from her. So she's just like, you're just like this is hysterical and strange but like every single person has a different reaction yeah Yeah. reaction so that's one thing that i think is like i think that not enough people think of is they think that like oh this is the way we talk in the workplace we have definitely gotten calls we especially recently several calls from young women who are like i am afraid to go in to the hr office and complain or to talk to my supervisor because i don't want to be like viewed as the humorless bitch when like everyone else at work, you know, laughs about these stories about these guys cheating on their wives or, you know, scratching their balls or like doing whatever, like acting very animalistic in these small office settings where you think you're safe. Um, and yeah, I just uh, that's like something we've gotten a lot of calls about is that like 
just especially women feel uncomfortable reporting stuff. Yeah, like an apprehension to approach HR. And I understand that because I've I've experienced HR departments where it's like very obvious that they have, I mean, they always have the company's best interests in mind, you know? In a way, that's true. But I think that f- from my point of view, being in HR for 20 years, every complaint that we have, we have to take it seriously. Yeah. Because uh, if something comes up and we don't take it seriously, that person may... Um, file a complaint with somebody else, you know, yeah. like, you know, like the EEOC or, you know, what is the EEOC? E- equal opportunity employment and they can file in human rights. They can file complaints with them. Yeah. So we always have to keep track of all the reports. If somebody comes in and files a report, we have to keep track of it. And it does have to be investigated whether it comes back positive or and negative. And having the employee, employer's best interest in mind can look a lot of different ways. I mean, sometimes that means they skew in your favor because ultimately it does not help the company to have a person who feels this way. Or, you know, because like if they walk back into the world feeling like something terrible happened to them, that's, again, they can, yeah. that can be reported. So I, I mean, can see Also, we've people- had cases where we've had to send out uh, supervisors or even VPs mm-hmm. that have to go some kind of sensitive training. Oh, so we've had that also. Okay, you know, so, so they have to. Do, there's like a sensitivity training. Yeah, where you basically, just yeah. okay. Like we you do. can't be racist. Sorry. Like, how do they like, break that? How do they break that into a person? I feel like that's like an anger management class where it's like you can like you can make someone go, but you can't make them an, a less angry person. Well, I think it's s- like the fear of litigation. Okay. You know, that's what they beat into you sort yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah, really. That's the thing. I mean, you, like could, or you could also lose your job because of it. I mean, yeah. a person yeah. can go, you can go train them on being sensitive. But I think it depends on the person if they take it seriously. Yeah. And they re- it reoccurs again. The same situation reoccurs again. Well, them. yeah. And then also if someone's been in a long-term pattern of getting away with something, right. they're right. probably thinking like, yeah, I got to go do this bullshit sensitivity right. training. But like back on Monday, like I'll do whatever I want. Right. And that's... I can see how someone would get caught up in that. People thinking they're like above the law or whatever. That like well, that's you know, the reason why we formality. have to take it serious. Every complaint has to be taken seriously, and that's why we have to do an investigation. Yeah. Does any story stand out to you in particular as like one that's just like over the years? It's well, just like, I remember my shit. first case, and I'm talking about 20 years ago with this professor. I mean, he was very explicit what he wanted to do to this employee of his, oh, God. and what he wanted the employee to do to him. Oh, my and God. I had to read through the script. Oh, no. <laughs> and that was one of my first cases. And they actually had to terminate his, his employment. Yeah. Yeah, because he was very, very explicit what he, what he wanted her to do to him. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's terrifying <laughs> to think about. Oh, oh God. And it wasn't a professor. It wasn't a professor and a student. It was a professor. And she was the assistant in the department. Yeah. academic department so yeah that was one of my first cases and i said wow i was shocked i didn't know this yeah yeah it's like <laughs> that what was that what's the name of it i always forget the name of it the bill clinton report that was on the front page of the paper um i always forget the name of it not the star report what was it called yeah. i just remember my great aunt read it and it was the report that basically detailed what happened between bill clinton and monica Lewinsky. oh yeah well, i cigar- think you know when you really think about it it's about power yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, no, totally. Think, you know, if they think they can get away with it, if, and I'm sure if that's their first case, I'm sure that that was happening many times before. Sure, yeah. Know? And, you know, and, and like that power dynamic is very, that's really hard for a lot of people to stand up against. And also a lot of people are told it's not worth it to pursue something like right. that or whatever. 
Or would I, Christina's smiling. What are you about to say? I just remembered you guys have something in common that I don't have in common with you. What? You're both big Vanderpump Rules fans. Oh, you love yes, Vanderpump Rules? I do. I do. You, there's a lot of sexual harassment in that workplace. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. What would you do as an HR manager? What, what were some big changes you would make it, sir? I would send some of those guys really sensitivity training. Yeah. And some of the girls need it also. I mean, I mean, the word "ho" gets thrown oh around gosh. so much, and actually, it made me uncomfortable. Tom and Katie came on this podcast, and some girl called, and Katie was like, "Well, you're just like a whore, like you're a whore." And I was like sitting here, and I was like, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, like, we kind of don't talk like that on this podcast. Like, we don't. We also don't like believe that. Like, we also think like. You, you know, know what slut shaming is, right, Mom? Yes. If and your boyfriend's I, cheating me. on you, maybe yeah. it's your boyfriend's fault, not the other girl's fault. You know, I just but have a problem with women. I mean, as women, we have to support each other. Absolutely. You know, and calling each other hoes and whores and that that bothers me. Yeah, you prostitution know? whore. I will say, I love Lala. She's the nicest in real life. She's so sweet. Yeah, I I had a problem with the way they treated her. Yeah, I really did. I mean, in spite of everything, you know. I don't, you know, there's rumors and then there's rumors. Right. Exactly. But in a way, you have to be careful what you do or what you say, because people kind of get, how do I say, um, when you act a certain way, sometimes you have to be careful what you do, you know, because kind of people get your personality and they think, you know, once they, they sit in judgment of you. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, of course. And yeah. I mean, it's no, but it's no, it's definitely not like in the case of Lala where she's dating this married man or whatever. Like, is that true? Yeah. So, okay. So <laughs> apparently the guy is split up from his wife. Like that's right. basically at this point, the online theorizing because a lot of this stuff takes place off camera and online. So like, but why is it anybody's business what she's doing? Because I guess some of the cast members know the wife of this guy. And I mean, my whole thing is kind of like, well, first of all, the wife's not an idiot. You know, if her husband's running around, not coming home till four o'clock in the morning, she knows that, you know what I mean? She is not clueless. But I find it funny that one of the characters was also messing around with a married guy. Oh, she kind of, yeah. She kind of was, you know, talking about Lala. Well, that's how the whole series started was because Sheena was sleeping with Eddie Cibrian or whatever. And um, Brandy Glanville's ex-husband, Brandy Glanville, was on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And, you know, I think Sheena, actually, Sheena and Lala have reconnected. Like, you can see now we're in the off season. So you see all the social media and they're taking lots of pictures together and they seem very close. And um, I'm guessing that what I, I would say that I would say that Sheena had a, like kind of a come to Jesus with herself that those three girls are never going to not be mean to her if given the opportunity. They'll always turn on her first. And I think that, you know, she Sheena has a illustrious history of doing something that drives me nuts in personal life, which is just like she doesn't pick a side, you know, and I get yeah. very I get I have no patience for someone who won't pick a side, especially when it comes down to like, um, you know, like a moral issue or something. I'm like, right. you know, like. I just think some, some people are just afraid of, you know, yeah. they feel like they may get a backlash. Especially yeah. these other three girls that were kind of, you know, bullying Sheena. But it's not as if, you know, those three girls who were bullying Sheena actually, like, have all, like, clean histories themselves. Like, they all have histories of... Well, when you have three women gang up on you, that's sure. to me, you know, and you're, the only, you're trying to defend yourself. Right. You know? 
that and whether or not cheating or facilitating a cheater or being the other woman in a situation is worse than some of the other things that these girls have done is is a matter of opinion to be honest you know because it really comes down to if Lala is sleeping with some married guy who's buying her a Range Rover or whatever, that's on him. You know, that right. really is. He's a, he's presenting himself as someone who can be in, in another relationship, whether it's because he says he's divorced or whether it's because he says his wife looks the other way. Like, how are you going to blame the woman for that if the guy is saying he is available? He's yeah, that's available. the problem. A lot of times they blame the woman and not the guy who's doing the cheating. Too. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I have to say I've seen some recent stuff of that in my own personal life and I've been impressed by the by the women in the situation who have not who have held the men responsible and not at all really blame the other woman. Just kind of if anything, you know, I've been I've become friends with an ex of mine. Um, I've become friend from many, many years ago, probably not any of the ones you're thinking of people who are listening um but like we dated the same guy maybe seven years ago or something and there was we figured out there's probably was overlap between the two of us and then of course he cheated on me um and she and I have become friends recently and then this guy just got engaged and we were like dude like that girl seems so sweet. Like we were like that girl that he's engaged to. Like neither of us felt a tinge of jealousy, disappointment, anger, anything like that. We were both just like that poor girl. Like that must, you know, that's terrible. Like, because we can sit there and compare notes and be like, oh yeah, he was the same asshole with both of us. Like he's definitely going to do that to her too. Yeah. I have a problem with guys that cheat. Yeah. From experience, not my, my experience, but I've had friends and actually Mm. a family member. Yeah. You know, so it's very difficult for me to blame. I, I kind of blame the male part of it because I find that a lot of both of these guys uh, were serial cheaters. Mm-hmm. So I have a problem with that. Men who cheat. Yeah. And they also <laughs> break down, you know. Women cheat too. Yeah. But I'm just saying from my experience, yeah. you know. Yeah. No, definitely women cheat too for sure. But I do think also, especially with men who cheat, they do a good job of taking the woman and making sure that she's in as vulnerable of a position as possible yes. Yes. so that, you know, she can't fight back or when she finds out, you know, she has to stay quiet about it or she's so humiliated that it's hard for her yeah. to say anything about it. And they make sure that, you know, they really their defenses are as down as they can be. And that's. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, we because- might have a couple calls about this. Oh, we do. Topic. So you might want to save it for the tape, guys. Okay. 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 Should we take our calls? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Let's take our calls. <laughs> do I have my nail polish? Hey, Malls, Christina. Yes, this is take two. So hopefully Christina deleted the other message that I left. But anywho, this is same old shell from Twitter. Um, I've been following you since Tumblr days and way back, and I just feel like I've been blessed because you DM'd me a few times like a couple of weeks ago. But anyway, so here's the dilemma since I'm basically stuck here in Bumblefuck, Mississippi. There's this guy. We've been, like, best friends since, like, high school, so there's been over, like, 10 years now. And, like, we've had friends with benefits. Oh, yeah, benefits. <laughs> situations on and off over the years but um we did try to make a go of it in a serious relationship about maybe five or six years ago but recently he's showing signs that he wants more than a friendship more of a relationship type deal and the thing is like the first go around 
it was complete and utter shit. Like, it went down in flames. And just recently, over the past, like, couple of years, we've gotten back to, you know, the best friend-type relationship. So I don't want to risk that. But am I too far gone off the Pinot Gris to think that this could possibly work now that we're, like, 29 now? Um, so yeah, love the pod. Listen to y'all every week. Get me back, girl. My Capricorn sister. Love you guys. Bye. Okay. So I know who this person is and I want to update you on something. So I DM this girl because she's been following me for a while. I followed her back. And then I looked at her Twitter bio the other day. She like likes something. And you know, when someone likes something and you look at your likes, you get all their bios or whatever. So I'm looking at the bios of the people that liked one of my tweets. And this girl's like, Capricorn, Gemini rising. And then I don't know if she has this as well, but I'm also a Capricorn with a Gemini rising. And then I realized something very recently. Well, so I DM'd her about that, but then I realized something very recently. You and I both have an Aries moon. I actually had to recalibrate that. I actually have a Gemini's, Gemini moon. Oh. And I'm an Aries rising. Oh, so that's yeah. like opposite. Yeah. I wonder what that means. We should ask Chris Medina what that means yeah. because – that's interesting. Gemini is like, I was not happy to find out I was a Gemini because that's like the crazy sign, you yeah, know? That's like, a double the twin size. You can be one personality. But I'm yeah. actually Capricorn also, mom. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I've always loved that about you. It's good to be a Capricorn. And my mom is a Cancer and Christina's oh, a Cancer. It's so yeah. funny how that works I out. Know. But you think like Cancers are insane and emotional and crazy. We are. But I don't I think, think they're I'm a, insane. I just they're emotional. I, we can't help it. I know. I know. Very passionate. And and you and my mom have the same thing where it's like sometimes just your passion comes off as anger, which makes me shut down. And I'm like, ah. Um, but I think it's probably because I'm just like afraid. My mom is like yeah, viciously she shaking is. her head. She is. She's very passionate yeah. about a lot of things. Yeah. 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 And she's also kind of sensitive too. And with very certain, sensitive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very my sensitive. mom is reading me to death right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel the same way. That's how I am with my mom too. My mom thinks I'm like clinical and cold and I'm just like, no, just one of us has to keep our shit together in this scenario. So like, I'm just going to sit back and let you go on that moment. And then I'm going to check back in when we can have a conversation. <laughs> Although for the most part with you, I can be very like, yeah, no, yeah. you're very grounding for me too. So, um, that's probably because our because you're in a Gemini moon. Um, but okay, so let's talk about this. I think that maybe she if she's been drinking, that's probably why she thinks that she can give this relationship a shot. If she was saying I'm off the Pinot Gris, I think that she probably is dr- actively drinking in the moment when she right. left this message, um, which is when I usually think that bad decisions are are good. Um, it's very clearly per- – mom, you know what friends with benefits are, yes, right? Yes. Yes, I do. It's not health insurance. <laughs> no, I know. Which, by the way, like I always question that term because I'm like, are they benefits? Like how are you really benefiting from this? Because like I usually feel like that's like you wind with a massive headache. Like what – I mean really like what is it – is it that beneficial? Um, but okay. So my thing is that I feel like – I'm just getting off a situation that this guy probably has a little bit of a messy life and some things that she might want to have cleaned up. And now that she's 29 years old, like this is a time in your life that like you don't necessarily need to be taking on that guy in your life that drinks a little bit too much or like is overly emotional or is like easily jealous or any of those things that like are standard red flags. So if this guy has like red flags 
at 29, I would choose not to take those on. Um, you're not like a kid anymore. And you're not just going to bounce back from it. You are still young and you will bounce back from it. But you'll feel a lot more stupid, definitely, on the other side of like 32 or something when you've spent right. three years with a guy who's like crazy. Well, I feel the same way as you, Molly. I mean, if they tried it before, what makes you think it's going to work again? And right. If, I mean, if the friendship is working then leave the friendship the way it is. I mean, if you tried before and it didn't work out, no matter, you could be 29 and 30. Yeah. I mean, I could see that The difference that between 25 and 29 yes, is big, though. It's a big difference. But they all, we've also had someone on this show who worked on that show. Do you remember that show, Blind Date? Yes. Uh, he worked on the show Blind Date, and he had a statistic for us, Richard Rushfield, which was that the relationships that typically last the longest are couples that have, were together for a while, broke up, and then get, get back together. And... I think that that makes a lot of sense because you kind of know what you're in for with that person. You know what you're, you know, you know what to expect. You understand their quirks. You have either spent time apart and now miss each other and appreciate each other more. And you've seen what else is out there. Yeah. Yeah, Or you've watched each other grow. That's a big one is seeing what else is out there. I think that people, especially when they're younger, have like an impossible standard. Um, Oh, God, my best friend from high school had, like, the craziest standards. Like, every guy had to look like Andy Roddick or, like, she was out. And I was, like (laughs) – I was just, like, I'll take the short, funny weirdo. Like, that's fine. Um, But, yeah, I I don't know. My question is, I mean, why didn't it work before? What was was it about the relationship that didn't work? You kind of have to question. She didn't really say, right? She didn't. She didn't say. She said it was a mess, which yeah, to me, that's what I'm saying. When I hear mess, yeah. I think uh, substance is involved. Like maybe you know one of you know you're both drinking too much, which is very possible when you're 25. You're out at the bar all the time. You're still in like kind of that post collegiate haze a little bit. Yeah. Um. Those are the, there's a lot of reasons where like especially when you're 25 like those standard issues that I was talking about at the top like jealousy like those are things that come up a lot because you're insecure like you're 25 you don't know how the, how the world works and so you're freaking out over everything yeah um my one thing that I would say makes me nervous about this is that I think that if he wants to be in a relationship with her. And she doesn't. And especially if she continues to have a friends with benefits relationship with her, there's really no controlling where his feelings go. And I think that it could get – she could find herself in an in an unfavorable situation if she's maintaining a relationship with someone who has big, greater interest in her that she doesn't want to take a part in because that's when guys can become – some people can become very volatile. Guys and girls can become very volatile. This is where situations can happen when, you know, you're trying to date someone now. Like, let's say you have a boyfriend now and this friends with benefit person is still in your life as a friend because they've been a friend for longer than anything. And he can't see you be happy in a relationship or, you know, he's showing up drunk to your house being like, wait, what's the, like, why aren't you with me? Like, you can't just ask someone to make their feelings go away. And so... I do think that it'll be difficult for you guys to have a regular friendship if you do ultimately wind up rejecting him, which is something that you have to kind of think about in terms of just like not you shouldn't make a decision because you don't want to lose him as a friend. But you should also just be aware of the fact that it's probably going to be very difficult for you guys to have any semblance of a friendship after you've just rejected him. I'm concerned about the caller and I'm not sure because she left out. You know, she left a very good and concise call that was only a minute and 30. Yes. But also I was wondering, like, 
in between this five years that you guys have had this friends with benefits relationship since breaking up when you were 25 and now you're 29, have you had a significant relationship in that time? Or are you always just kind of relying on this person who's going to be there for you Mm -hmm. and you pretty much get everything except this commitment and you're apprehensive to commit to him? Yeah, I mean, like, how seriously did you try to dive into a relationship knowing that you have this potential on the other side? I think if you always know also that you have that out, then it prevents you from really becoming fully committed to someone. I see a distancing and like a friendship breakup. You know, I do think it's kind. It's normal to spend a a good portion of your twenties single. I think that, like, you know, this. I don't. I don't think the fact that she hasn't had another relationship that she's spoken of is like a huge warning sign. I think that if she got to 35, 36, and this is a person that wants to have a long-term relationship, I think that that's more concerning. But I mean, we also live in a city where a lot of people are just single almost indefinitely. If you're not a type of person who is, you know, going to be in a relationship in your 20s, which is a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, or will be in a relationship for portions of their 20s. I did that, and then I was single for like four years. Um... And I think it it depends on what you want. I mean, I don't – she also didn't say, like, I want to get married someday. Like, she didn't get a lot of key information, I think. Um, And I think think that leaves us to assume some certain things, which is, like, let's just for the sake of assuming, let's assume that this person does want some sort of, like, you know, heteronormative relationship where they get married and have kids or whatever. She's 29 years old. Like – I don't know. I, I'm sensing a friendship breakup or a friendship break. I really am. I think that there needs to be some healthy space and boundaries between you guys. And if you were able to come back and, you know, be friends with benefits again, then hopefully you can come back and just be regular friends again. You know, maybe that will always be there. Maybe you will find that you miss this person. But, you know, I I don't know. I mean, if you say that if you really look at the situation and the things that were messy about it are probably things that got healed with time or like you, there's no big red flags like this person, you know, has a drinking problem or substance abuse problem or they are verbally, you know, abusive or whatever. Like as long as that doesn't exist in a non-abusive relationship, I, I maybe you guys can be together. I just we need more information or or I guess you need to think about what information you're giving us i don't know i I agree with molly i think um i think you need to really think about where you're going to go with this relationship and i agree that maybe it should just either be a friendship or i feel that maybe maybe you need some kind of break Mm -hmm. and um my advice to you would be just to think about it yeah i think at 29 i mean i i tell my daughter and i tell my my son was single but when, when you're 20s, you're in your 20s, you go through different things. When you're in your 30s, you're kind of more mature yeah. and you think differently. So think about it. Think about where you're going to go with this relationship. What I've been blown away by too, though, is like, because yes, every year in your 20s was monumentally different. Yes. Right? And I think that the difference between 30 and 33 has been pretty monumental for me as well. And so like just emotionally speaking, Right. Career-wise, everything, the years the years that we've been doing this podcast, I have changed so much as a person. Holy shit, yeah. Like year by year, month by month, it cha- you change a lot. So yeah. just also remember that too is that it's not like you turn 30 and the switch flips and then all of a sudden you're not growing anymore as a person. Like There's still a lot of growth, yeah. especially – Yeah. Would you say even like at your age, mom? Yes. 
I think, yeah, even at my age, I'm still learning. I'm yeah. still experiencing new things. And you always have to keep an open mind. Do you feel like you're still learning a lot about yourself? Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah. Would even, you say you're a different person than you were five years ago? Yes. And I think part of it is because of my situation that I'm going through right now with my husband. Mm-hmm. He's not well. And um, it's put me in a different place. He's had to depend on me more. So I've had to be stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, that experience alone. Um, it's growing, being stronger, having the strength to be able to help him. Um, so, yeah, I've changed. I've but changed. remarkably so, like I have to say, like you look better than ever. Like considering all the <laughs> stress so that you're mind. under. Yeah. No, I just mean it. Like yeah. all the stress that I'm, you're under, a lesser woman that takes a phenomenal toll on a person. And like it just is. It's. I think that you, somehow throughout this, you seem to be doing very, very well, which is like a huge testament to who I you are. Know. Christina, what do you think? No, I think. I mean, you constantly impress me, mom. So I'm just. I defer to you, mom. You look great. Yeah, Molly, thank you. We've definitely yeah. said that before. It's like, I'm not really so worried about Diana. I'm yeah. like, I know you're going to be okay. <laughs> like, I'm really not so worried about you. But yeah. You know, I have to say, Molly, like in our women, the women in our family are really strong women. Yeah. You know, we were raised to be very strong women. And I think um, I hope to set an example, not only to my, for my daughter, Christina, but also to my son, Stephen, also. Mm-hmm. Well, I've learned a lot about, like, relationships and, like, you know, to de- you know, in sickness and in health, to death do right. us part. It's, like, yeah. really, that's, like, you have taken that to heart. Yeah. And that also speaks volumes about your relationship, too. Like, you found the right person. A lot of people can't do that because they were never with the right person, yeah. you know? I'm very lucky that way. I have to say I'm, I've been very blessed to yeah. find the person that – uh I really is my soulmate um, who's a very, if you meet my husband and Christina can talk about this and and Molly has met him too. He's a very, very sweet man. He's Mm -hmm. a very giving person. And the one thing that I love about him is that he's always accepted me for the person that I am. He's never wanted to change me. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing in a relationship. How did you know that Willie was the right person when you met him or how long did it take to figure that out? I think it took about six months. I really enjoyed. Um, <laughs> what were you and doing? it's funny. But it, no, no, it's funny because um, if I tell you the history of how I, I, I truly believe that you are a reflection of how you were raised. Mm. And part of it is if I tell you, if I tell you my history of how I had to take responsibility early on in life. Um, and when I met my husband, he was a very given person. He was brought up. If, well, if, let's just clear that up. Like grandpa got sick, yes. had to go to Puerto Rico. Grandma went to Puerto Rico and you were pretty much like, On my taking own. care of yourself yeah. at 20. Yes. Yeah. So um, when I met my husband, I was 21, mm-hmm. but I had gone through so much from the age of 15 when my dad was yeah. sick and left. And when I met my husband at, at 21, um, I kind of knew he was the guy because he accepted me. He didn't want to change who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, he was there to help me and he was there to support me when I was here by myself, living on my own. So, um, did he have a great relationship with his mom? <laughs> He's such a mom. He was such a mama's boy. Yeah. Like to the detriment of like the rest of them. No, I'm just kidding. No, but he, I mean, like, they. It's, I do say that they, you know, there's two ways to go about it. You don't want a guy that's overly obsessed with his mom a lot of times, but you also don't want a guy that has, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that have a childlike hatred toward their mother well into their 30s. Yeah. Let, you me know? Ju- let me just put it this way. He was a Latino man who was brought up um, 
by a, by a mom that expected the woman in his relationship to do everything. Okay. And I'm, and I have to thank God for my husband who had a woman like me to show him that it was a partnership mm-hmm. in a relationship, in a marriage. And I think that as women, we can do that. We, we can actually... Yeah. Well, give a better, re- yeah. Give, re- give, give a new example. Right. Yeah. Like um, he didn't, his mom didn't believe in showing him how to do housework. She believed the woman should be able to do everything. Yeah. You know? And when, when you work as a woman and you're in a relationship, I think that you can't expect a woman to do everything. That's also very common in Irish households as right. well. Like I know the women did everything in our, and I see, I've seen my uncles suffer in relationships because they, never they never got that partnership message especially in my family my grandfather was like an eccentric older man he was a professor he was a writer so he was always kind of off doing his own thing and my grandmother was an amazing person for someone like that to be married to because she raised their six kids and you know three of those kids were daughters and the you know there's three extra hands and six extra hands around the house and so um I will say that I do always like in my Tinder bio or whatever, I do always say like I want to meet a man who has a healthy relationship with his mom and an unhealthy relationship with Vanderpump Rules. Like that's really what I'm looking for is just someone who doesn't hate his mom and is willing to watch Vanderpump Rules with me. Yeah, I think that if a a guy loves his mom, that's also a positive. Yeah. You know? Because how he treats his mom has a lot to do with how he's going to treat the woman in his life. Yeah, I mean, well, there, it's, it's an example of like, you know, I, I was in a relationship where I realized that all the women in the family were looked at as crazy and all the men were looked at as eccentric. And I just was like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going down like that. Like, I'm not going to go down being like, okay, well, Molly's lost her mind. It's like, no, Molly hasn't lost her mind. Molly's always been creative and interesting and done her own thing. And if God forbid my mind starts to go at some point, I don't want to be called crazy. You know, the guys always get the pass, you know, to be curmudgeons or whatever it is, you know, and it's just for women, it's totally different. I think that that's very, very important to look at when you're first dating someone is how do they talk about the women in their family? Yeah. yeah. You know, mom, was there anything about dad? Like when you were first dating him or when you first met him? Cause I know you guys didn't really like each other at first. No, um, that was... you were apprehensive about and you were like, eh. yeah. Cause, cause my husband was women kind of gravitated towards him because mm-hmm. he had that kind of they personality. Still do. Yeah, they still do. He had that kind of personality um, because women trusted him. Mm-hmm. So, um, that was, I'm a little apprehensive about that, but, um, he really was a faithful kind of guy. Yeah. I think that I, the one thing that I always said to him from the very beginning in our relationship that I did not want a man who was unfaithful to me because I felt that I valued myself enough to, um, that I should be the only woman in his life. Mm -hmm. So I think, I hope that women out there should value themselves, especially in a relationship, whether in whatever relationship you're in, whether it's with a man, with a woman, um, you should always value yourself as Mm -hmm. a person. I think that that's hard to know, though, if a person, because I think everyone's going to be like, yeah, of course I'd never cheat on you. You know what I mean? How do you ever know if someone's being honest about that? You know? Well, I always. No one's going to be like, I might cheat on you. Like, (laughs) well, I always think that you always have to let the guy know or the relationship, you know, that just as they are attractive, you're attracted, you know. Yeah. You know, I always just tell my husband, I don't know why. Right. That's what I used to say. You know, hey, I'm a good looking woman. (laughs) There's a line waiting outside the door for me if you think that, you you know, that's what I would tell (laughs) Yeah. That's not, that's not a bad way to approach it. That's fun. And that's very funny. (laughs) 
So I don't know. I mean, I guess if you want to call us back with some more details, you should definitely do that. And kind of if you want to fill in maybe some more on your history or what this guy is really like. But um, ultimately, I think those we gave you some good things to take into consideration. I don't know. Good luck with everything, though. Good luck. You're a Capricorn. You're too sensible yeah, for this. You're, you're great. Capricorns are great. We're good. They're We're real right. good. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. Let's take our next call. Hi, Moles, Christina, and guest. So I have a situation that's been weighing heavily on my mind for a while now. Just a little backstory. I'm an only child who was raised mostly by my single mother, except she's never really been single. Um, my entire upbringing, she has been in these relationships that have been pretty serious. She's been with her current boyfriend for seven years, and they got engaged four years ago. Um, in the beginning, he was really nice and supportive and was always talking her up, and she was previously in an emotionally abusive relationship. So I was happy to welcome into my life, and I know she was happy the, for the same. Um, but as of late... Like, about the past two years, he's been holding money over her head. He never wants her to come up and visit me in fear that she'll spend too much money. Uh, she would like to move up here to the town that I live, but he refuses, even though due to his job, he's only in town about once a month. Um, they've had a lot of big fights lately regarding him being emotionally involved with a stranger online and his disregard for his own health. I can tell she isn't that happy and there's something up with her because I don't know if I should. I, I mean, I can just tell that there's something going on more than what she's telling me. And I don't know if I should tell her how I feel and risk hurting her feelings and hurting our relationship potentially. Or if I should just accept the fact that she's a 53-year-old grown-ass adult who can take care of herself. Um, yeah, something that's just been weighing heavy on my mind lately. So please advise. Thanks. Love you so much. Uh, I was a little distracted by how, and embarrassed by how ashy my, uh, heels are while we were, <laughs> I was just looking at them being like, you have to moisturize your heels before you go to Austin tomorrow. You've asked people to take you to the beach. <laughs> like you can't go to the beach like that. Like, why would you get a bikini wax and then bring those ashy heels to the beach? <laughs> what is wrong with you? How is that any different? Your ashy ass heels, Molly. I know. It's so bad. I'm always yelling at people too. I'm like, put moisturizer on your knees. What's wrong with you? Or rub it into your elbows. I'm always, it's like such a pet peeve of mine. So anyway, I just got caught up in that moment of hypocrisy. Um, <laughs> but I have, t- I have two like very distinct like moves for you. One is I think that you make your position clear to your mom that like you see what's going on there. You're worried about her. You know her relationship patterns in the past. You've seen how they've affected her and you can point to those specific examples. I've been in this situation that you're talking about several times in my life and um, you know, I know that my mom does not like to have previous relationships that she's been in thrown in her face, which I know I'm sure it feels like that to her, but it's like, no, like you need to just like look and see that this is a little bit of a pattern and that like, you know, eventually, and, and I'm guilty of it too. Like I've caught myself, I'm very easily broke. I can be at a certain point very easily broken down in relationships, which is why I think I've been hesitant to be fully like vulnerable or in a relationship with someone that I really respected since the last time I found myself in that situation. Um, And 
once you do that and kind of like, you know, your mom might not, not, not like Carrie, it might make her really sad. It might upset her. But then after that, I think, you know, something that I've also told my mom is that, you know, I can't get caught up in this. Like I'm 30 years old. Like I'm in my thirties, you know, like I am in a place in my life where I need to be taking, building up the, my security system for the rest of my life. And like, when I'm, you know, 50 years old, God forbid, if you're gone, like, I don't want to be at a loss because I've spent time wrapped up in your drama. I want to have a really, really strong foundation and a good life so that I can handle the next phase of my life. And I think that that's where you have to start taking just care of yourself as an adult and realize that you're both adults now, you know, um, I hate to say it, but like if you were put in that position a lot as a kid, especially your mom probably didn't take good care of you as a kid, as good care of you as she as she could have. And I'm not saying that there was like any sort of neglect or whatever, but I am saying that there's like, you know, it's you took a back seat in certain ways that a child shouldn't have to. And so you're you're kind of working double time in your adult life to get yourself on the right track. And um, you know, your mom was taking care of herself during your childhood. She's trying to take care of herself now. You can't just because your mom, anyone in your life, this applies to anyone in your life, just an older sister, whatever. Just because someone in your life is emotionally fractured doesn't mean you can fix it for them or that you can make it your problem or that you can, you can't learn their lessons for them. It's like having a, a younger brother or sister in that sense too. It's like you can't learn someone's lessons for them. And, and it's hard when it's your own parent because you want your instinct as a child is when your parent is upset, whether they're yelling at you about, you know, not putting your clothes in the dryer or they're, you know, you didn't do your homework. Whatever it is they're yelling at you about, your automatic instinct is to want to do better if you don't have a defiant streak or like some sort of like oppositional defiance disorder or whatever. Like your gut instinct is to want to please your parent, um, especially for only children of of single parents. Like that's your – that's your only other person. So you like are like, of course, I don't want my only other person to be upset. And it also affects like the bedrock of your home situation when you're a kid and like your parent is upset. Like I just remember even seeing my mom be sad when I was a kid was so like just like sad over her own adult shit. Like the way that I have bad days and get, you know, I'm get stuck in my head about an ex or I, you know, um, I'm mad at a friend or I'm disappointed in someone when you have a parent that's that's acting out in, in your house in that way and you're like the and you're the only child and they're the only other person in the house and it affects, it affects you very much you know because your entire envi- your entire environment seems unstable and so i just think that right now you need to focus on stabilizing your environment and i've had to explain to my mom like look, like there are times where I'm not going to feed into a conversation with you. Like I'm not going to get into a fight with you because I know that you're not really mad at me, that you're just like you're acting out. Like you're acting out because you want some sort of reaction from me because that will, you know, prove to you that I still care about you. Like I think sometimes with my mom, she likes to see me and she would probably argue this, but I think that at times she is subconsciously like to see me upset because it's, she's known that for sure that that means I care about her. And I think that that's something that you just can't, you have to be aware of and fight for yourself. And I've really said to my mom a couple times over the years more recently, like, I'm not trying to be cold to you. I'm just trying to make sure that I'm not your age and screwed over and like emotionally stunted and like Damn. unable to move forward. Yeah. Like I'm trying to not even like break the cycle cause it's not that dramatic, but it's like, I'm just trying to make sure that 
And and your mom should want that for you. That like, you know, that if she's suffering throughout all of her adult life, she should want that for you to be, to not be suffering yourself when you're her age, you know, or repeating her relationship patterns because at least you have the, at least you have the knowledge base to realize, you know, I think that's the benefit of growing up when we've grown up is that there's so much dialogue and media and, you know, whether it's like, you know, a dateline or a, a great television series. There's so many examples of dysfunction and the ways that different adults allow themselves to be unhappy or maybe relish in their unhappiness. And so you are able to like notice those psychological patterns a lot better. And I would say honor your ability to do that and take care of yourself because there's a lot of people out there who are in your position who don't even can't even articulate it the way that you did. So I don't know. I mean, but you, I mean, I've always viewed, I think that Diana is like almost an unfair example of a mom because like she, you're so nice, you're so good. And like, I just don't know. I mean, I'm sure you have your things, but like, I just don't know how like it's unfair to, it's unfair to like anyone to be like, well, how does my mom match up to her? Because like, you're so good, you know what I mean? Like you're so caring and just on top of it, you know, a lot of people have a hard time being there for their kids like that full time. Well, Molly, I kind of agree with Molly because I'm sure she's she has a mom and she's an only child and her mother raised her. So I think she has an ex- experience in this. So I agree with her. And that's a t- very different parent-child relationship. Yeah, than that's what why I, I said I don't, I, don't, I don't know if sometimes as an only child brought up by a single mother, sometimes the child has to be the grown-up mm-hmm. in the relationship. My mom was 21 years old when yeah. she had me, you know? So the only thing I would say, and I agree with whatever, everything that Molly said, I agree with that. Um, sometimes you have to just sit back and um, sometimes women repeat the same pattern over and over again. So I agree in part what you said, that sometimes she, you need to tell her, you know, she needs to kind of do her own relationship and you need to step back, but also be there to support your mom. Because mm-hmm. you'll always have that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, or at the very least, encourage her to g- regain her like financial independence. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it seems like he... That's very manipulative. Well, that's and I've like, seen that play out before. That's manipulation 101. Is that any time a guy is trying to pull you out of the workforce or encourage you to do... Sorry, these are prescription, just so you know. I'm not just wearing sunglasses inside. Um I, I think that it's... I think that it's really... That's the first sign. Like, I mean, anyone just out there listening like if you're in a relationship and all of a sudden you find yourself with the guy saying you know what maybe you should stay home you don't have to work like really think about why what what would be his motivations for saying that do we really not need an extra paycheck like do I get to be home with the kids this way and this is something we've always talked about or now randomly is my husband saying or my boyfriend saying like you know you should take a step back from work and just kind of do like stay at home I'll take care of us you know that's very manipulative and controlling and I would say sign consistently sign number one you know they take away like any sort of it's financial dominance in reverse right um but what was i gonna say oh yeah in terms of women repeating relationship patterns i think that that's like it's 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 symptomatic of like a gift that women uniquely have to be very very stubborn about maintaining something that they believe in 
And so a lot of times, like, you know, they don't want to give up on a type of person or on a person or hold something against them that honestly should be treated as a red flag. But in their mind, they're like, well, I don't want to hold it against him. I mean, plenty of good guys do blank, you know, and that's where you like wind up, you know, that's where we always quote Rihanna's grandma saying a a woman will always love more, you know, a woman has definitely has a certain sort of stubbornness to her naturally built in and perseverance as well. And a lot of times maintain, maintaining an abusive relationship can feel like a state of perseverance. I mean, I know I've been in relationships that were not serving me and I was thinking to myself, like, you go girl, like, you know, like <laughs> you're living in a world of pain and a world of shit. And like, you are doing it every day and you are keeping it together for both of you when it was never together to begin with. So like, that can be a, a very common narrative that women feed into. And maybe your mom is doing that. And maybe you can identify it as that. And that will help you understand it a little bit better too. Um, is that like, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, I think, symptomatic of like a very powerful quality that women have because mm-hmm. that's also the quality that keeps families together during war. That's like the, you know, like if uh, all those army wives out there, they have that same thing where it's like every day I have to wake up and get the kids ready for school and just keep in mind that my husband's at war. You know, it's, we're not at war, you know, like you're just, you're just surviving a bad situation for no reason. So um, I don't know. I, I think differently, maybe. I don't know. I think that as a parent, I, and maybe I'm different. But um, No, that's good. I want to set an example for my daughter, mm-hmm. um, for my son as a woman. Um, and sometimes women forget that, that they have a child. Mm-hmm. And whatever relationship you're in, it's a lesson for them to learn. Mm-hmm. So kind of take it in a positive way and take it as a lesson for you to learn. Mm-hmm. Am, yeah. Am I right, Molly? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? No, I think you're totally right. I'm I'm just, you know, I'm thinking about how I think that a lot of single women do that because of something else we've talked about on this show, which is that, you know, society is not set up to favor the single mom yeah. in any way. You know, the programs are not there necessarily for a single mom the same way. The the paperwork is difficult to navigate. Mm-hmm. It's also you know, when you're a single mom, you're so bogged down with just, you know, making sure the kids get up every day, earning the paycheck, blah, 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 that like it's hard going you have out to be the mom and the dad. In the yeah. Relationship. So it's, you know, it's not easy. And it's also the human being, you know, yeah. like you need that time to unplug and be a person. And um, I think that that's where a lot of, you know, I just think a lot of single moms are set up for failure. If you got if you go back and listen to I think the episode's called Standing Up Seals with Baron Vaughn. And Bridie Elliott, um, mm-hmm. Baron does a really good job of kind of articulating at the top, like what basically why a lot of kids like me and him grow up with a paralyzing fear around money and a paralyzing fear around like anything from like opening a bill to um, whatever. And it's because we're mirroring our parents' behavior and we're mirroring our mom's fear that they have, which is a lot of time, you know, if just if they're a single white woman in America, let alone a, a woman of color or a woman who's, you know, uh, any sort of disability or any sort of anything like that, differently abled, whatever you want to say. Like, I think that that is when you t- also put that into account, I think often of the single mom that I met at the Women's March who was, you know, had a son who was disabled. She herself was walking at the Women's March with the, with a the cane and she was about to lose like the only medical benefits she had to take care of her son. And 
like just, you know, I mean, I admired her for getting up and getting out that day because I think a lot of women just live in a state of paralyzed fear mm-hmm. trying to just white knuckle it through life. I know my mom has used the expression white knuckling a lot when she's talked about raising me, you know, like you just kind of are holding on for dear life, you know, it's yeah, tough. I, I admire the single mothers who are trying to raise their children. Yeah. It's, it's an admiration that I have. Um, you know, like for my mom for a while, she was by herself trying to raise. Mm-hmm. So I kind of always admired women who are single moms and have that empathy for them because I know it's not easy. Yeah. And I do you watch the Bravo show Southern Charm ever. Yes. So I have watched that. I don't know. My Molly. mom is on it. <laughs> so I love Southern Charm, but I have. Uh, I have a, a specific set of beliefs when it comes to that show, which is that I really, really enjoy Catherine and I really, really feel deeply for her. And I think that I personally get very sensitive about the fact because, you know, watching my mom, you know, and just knowing kind of how my mom dealt with a lot of shame and a lot of other things, being a 21-year-old pregnant girl at a Jesuit university, you know, her dad was a professor there. You know, I think that I think that I – watch Catherine and I think whenever anyone gives her a hard time on that show or Mm -hmm. Patricia of all people which I don't even know this is where I get into fights with even like my gay guy friends because they're like I love Patricia she's so campy and I'm like what is campy about that like I'm sorry I don't I don't care that like she has some you know $300,000 pink Birkin bag like I don't care that's not interesting to me what's what's disgusting to me about her as a person is that she thinks it's okay to bully a, a young woman who is single has had two kids before the age of 24, has, you know, by like by by no coincidence of who her fa- her baby's father has dealt with substance abuse issues mm-hmm. and I think that her I think that Thomas deals with substance abuse issues still and he's not being punished for it the way that right. Catherine is and I agree. It's just it's hard for it's hard for me to watch that show sometimes and why I also really love Craig cuz Craig is the only person who really consistently stands up for yeah, Catherine. Yeah, he does all the time. And yeah. when Catherine's at this season, you know, I think Whitney feels bad because he knows he p- played a large part in my downfall. Like that I I was like, yeah, I think that's true. You know, we did start to well, see a more humble Do you wonder Whitney. why though? I mean, did he not like her in the beginning? I and think he, that he... He still has I feelings think, for her? I think he wanted to be with her. Yes. And I think he was... I think he brought her... I think he was willing to bring her into the series if she was going to be his girlfriend. Yeah. But I she was so not too. part of the original cast. Right. She was probably... Some, I think she's a girl that he met out in downtown Charleston. And he, um, you know... I think she's a beautiful him, girl. Oh, she's gorgeous. Yeah, she's stunning. she's a beautiful girl. Stunning. She's from, you know... Has, you know, historically, she's from very well-known stock. And, right, you know, that family right. that she's from doesn't have much money anymore, but they are, uh, you know, right. a Southern classic. And so I think that he was like, yeah, I brought you in to be my my girlfriend. Like, I don't, you know, I don't want you – if you're going to be someone else's boyfriend, I just don't want you on my show. Or someone right. else's girlfriend, I don't want you on my show. And I think that he was very butthurt about that. And I think that he – I think that's what it is, you know. It's funny how Molly and I watch it. I know I'm saying I'm like maybe mom should have been on an emotionally broken cycles uh, <laughs> well I mean it's all it's I that's why I do my other reality show because I think that so many we see so many of our own psychological patterns and like help we it helps us understand our relationships through watching these shows because sometimes it's hard to look at your own life but if you see Stassi and Jack's doing it you're like oh that's that dynamic that used to play out you know or when it's 
I think it's so sweet that Craig is good at gardening and good at sewing. And I think his girlfriend's being a monster right now. She should be so happy that her, she has a guy that can pick up anything he wants and be good at it. That's funny. Did he pass his did he pass he his, passed the he bar? Passed the bar. After like six weeks of studying, by the way. So like mm-hmm. that's just like I think that Craig has a phenomenal ability. He maybe needs to admit to himself that he doesn't want to be a lawyer. But like if I was Naomi, I would be so like turned on and jazzed by the fact that I have a boyfriend that can pass the bar after studying for six weeks that can pick up sewing and be incredible at it. He did gardening. Yeah. yeah, The gardening, that sustainable like little garden he built in the backyard and in between seasons, like how many guys in between seasons of a reality show decided to build a beautiful garden in their backyard. Most of them just sit around. I mean, Shep is a loser. Mm. Shep is like just coked out and gross and drunk all the time and And going after somebody's other girlfriend or the other. Oh, and I think Austin and Chelsea are adorable. Mm. You don't you don't like them together? No, I think they do, but I think the relationship, um, I don't see it going anywhere. Really? Yeah. I mean, Chelsea to find out that she was engaged twice before. Yeah. That and I that both of the guys cheated on her. I hope that it does work out because I don't I think I get a very wholesome vibe from Austin. And I think that he's a really sweet guy. And yeah, I think I, that he has I a agree good, with that. I think he's very sweet. And mm-hmm. yeah, he was good. I thought it was cute when he had his family over. But I mean, I don't know about you. One thing just to deter th- from the topic, but like that situation that she was in where Shep had been inappropriate yes. with her yeah. and she had to tell Austin what had happened. I just like as a chick who's been in a similar situations where mm-hmm. I'm dating a guy and one of his friends says something, you know, inappropriate to me or tries to be inappropriate with me, then you feel like I have to tell this person this, but then you're sitting there negotiating like I don't want to upset them, but like I need to defend myself, but I also feel like if I don't say something and they find out, then I'm going to be blamed and I just did not envy that position that she was in at all and I just felt so bad for her because that's like as a woman that's just one of the many many shitty situations that we have the unique position of being in that's hard you know if you're a girl and and one of your girlfriends does that to your boyfriend your boyfriend's gonna turn around and be like your friend's hitting on me you know what I mean but a girl sits there with a lot more pressure on her shoulders about whether or not she repeats what happened I mean I think she told him that she wasn't comfortable yeah She did, but yeah. I, but I, I, but then, you know, she, I think that she kind of dreaded that moment and, and then, she had to tell. Mm-hmm. and then they got into that fight on the way to, uh, Key West or wherever they were going, where he was like, basically like they, she was trying to backtrack and I could tell she was only backtracking because the producers probably wanted her to probably cause Shep has his relationship spinoff coming out. Relationship. Have you heard of that? No. He has his spinoff. I mean, especially coming off of the heels of last season. I was thinking maybe the finale would be like they put Shep in a rehab or something. And then so we all like can see, okay, now he's in a better place when he's out hunting for a girlfriend. But Bravo has cameras on him right now going around to different major cities in the U.S. looking for a great girl to date. And um, they're trying to turn him into, you know, they're trying to give Shep the relationship that TV has always wanted for him, but he's never been able to have. So, we've so always wanted. Amari, I'm just sure. Do you find him attractive? No, okay. I mean, well, no. He's like, I mean, here's the thing. Shep was adorable the first two seasons to me. I think that he was like, I could see what was wrong with him. You know, definitely like a little bit of like that lost boy Peter Pan syndrome they talk about there. Um, you could definitely see that with him. 
But like now he just is like a big coked out baby to me. Like he just is like he thinks he's some shit. He thinks he's some he thinks he's someone, you know, he hides behind. That is a person who's never worked a day in his life. And you can tell now that now that, you know, now the fact that he's never worked a day in his life is starting to show and it's not cute anymore. You know, it's not like, oh, you know, Shep reads all the time in his free time. It just seems like he's out getting drunk. I mean, I have on my Emotionally Broken Psychos, my other podcast about reality TV. We have a great Facebook group, mollyandthepsychos.com, if you want to join. Um, and, like, a thing on that board has been taking pictures of screenshots of Shep when he's, like, has his head back a little bit because he always has Coke boogers. Mm. Yeah. He always has Coke in his nose. <laughs> it's, like, so gross. And, like, to think that Bravo's like, yeah, let's take this guy and, like, find him a relationship. It's kind of rough. Is it on social media or is it on the Bravo website? It's on my it's on my emotionally broken psychos Facebook group. Yeah, but I'm just saying like where is he posting these? these oh no, it's like there's screenshots from the show. Oh. So like if like he's in a scene and like there was one scene where Cameron had to go to his house to like wake him up because he had missed an appointment at like two o'clock in the afternoon. She went to his house thinking like he was dead, you know, like she was gonna walk in on like a Heath Ledger situation or something. God bless and like. And he was in bed, passed out with coke boogers in his nose. <laughs> so I was just googling what he looks like because I don't watch the show. So. Yeah. Um, that's Whitney. Shot dead visit. Shot yeah. He's he's uh he's cuter when he's talking. I, Not I think anymore. it's funny that the other search terms that come up with him, if you do a Google image search, GIF, teeth, and veneers. Yeah, something on with his teeth, or like he just has big. He has uh, like horse teeth. He has like George Washington teeth. How old is Whitney, by the way? I mean, his mom is is still hoping to get married and and waiting for a grandchild. I mean, God bless that guy is such a freaking creep. Like literally, I he is such a creep, and I and I get so upset too because now I've heard that Southern Charm is on its third franchise, and he's a. He started the first one. He and his mom are producers on the really? on the first one. So that means that he's getting paid for Southern Charm Savannah. Right. And he's going to get paid for, I guess, whatever the third one is. I forgot what it was. But so he's getting money from three shows now, which is why I think he's kind of disappeared on this season. I do think Whitney is either in his late 40s or about to push 50. But, you know, Whitney's also has a base out here. And, really? and L- yeah, well, I mean, like he likes to... I remember him seeing one episode where he was in L.A. Yeah, and he does lots of subtle winks to the camera that kind of, like, lets you think that he's in the know. Like, he wears a hat on the show sometimes for Jumbo's Clown Room, which is, like, a – it's, like, a titty bar, basically. It's Mm -hmm. not even a strip club. It's just, like – yeah, so girls do you take think he's their part ownership of that. Is that what you think? No, I think oh. he's just trying to be like, I'm cool. I live in LA, and I and I look at girl. I mean, you know how his his uh, band was called Renob, which is boner backwards. Like he's just desperate to prove that he's like, <laughs> or like he told his mom, he's like, I want to get a, I, I need, I can't live with you anymore. I need to get a stabbing cabin in the city. And I'm like, first of all, why are you Gross. saying that to your mom? Gross. <laughs> I know. You know what that you, you get mm. that right, Mom. Yeah. Ugh. And it just is like, why are you saying that to your mom? Like, secondly, like, why are you so eager to have that on television? Like, you saying that. Like, aren't, does one part of you have humility? And I think that that's the part of him that thinks he's like a cool L.A. guy and that he can be, 
you know, 47 years old and have all that Botox. I mean, he looks like Frankenstein. I'm, I'm curious to see how old he really is. I bet we could look it up. Will you look up Whitney Sutter Smith age? I mean, I know that he – please. I know that he um, has a docu- that documentary on Netflix about Halston that his mom paid for. Like Halston, the Do you think he's a mom's boy? Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, our, you're kidding, right? Yeah. <laughs> his last name sounds like a cheap wine. I know. I'm just curious to see. 49. Yeah. That you makes right. That makes about right. He just had a birthday, June 2nd. Oh, good for him. Gemini. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, he's always bringing around that new British girlfriend now, Daisy, that he has. It's just like, where, where are you finding these girls that are just... I, they, didn't he have a different one in LA? Larissa, which yeah. was the... She was basically hosts like the Swedish version of Top Model. So she's like a big star over mm-hmm. where she's from. And that's like when he was kind of like... I think also why... Because doesn't Patricia seem like the kind of girl that wouldn't like her son dating a foreign woman? You know, like she'd look down on it. Mm-hmm. And I think that she likes Daisy because she's like a British model. And she likes Larissa because she's like this. I think she's a Swedish TV star. But I feel like Patricia is someone who is so judgmental. I, he's disgusting, right, Christina? I just I, His hairstyle is just like, what the? Yeah, it all is. It really is. And there's this really – I think they finally changed it this year. But in the titles, like – when it's when it cuts to him, like his tongue is kind of sticking out of his mouth a little bit and his smile, and it's so gross, especially to think like you picked that. Like you're the producer of the show. You got to <laughs> you got to do like final proof on that. Uh embarrassing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't like Cameron either anymore. I think she's very manipulative and she does whatever she needs to do to keep the show going. Have they ever shown her husband? Uh, they've shown him in pictures. Never, oh, okay. And she has him. pictures of him on Instagram. Okay. But he won't be on the show. And I guess, so... Maybe because he doesn't want to be on the show? Is he that, won't be on the show. Yeah. yeah, no, he doesn't want to. Um, there's been some gossip that's gone in through um, people who know people in production or whatever that apparently he's a real... In real life, he might be a real jerk. And that she did, in fact, marry him for his money, which is a big reason why she's always pushing that. Oh, I work for everything I have. You know, I make all my own money myself. It's almost like, what's the point of why? Why do you feel like you have to prove that to everyone? Right. Stop talking about how you make your own money. The only now I don't believe you make your own money. Like, I don't know, whatever. That fake storyline that she was gonna have. You know, didn't know if she was gonna have a baby, baby or not. Yeah. But are you telling me you guys didn't discuss that in the four years you were together, or that you're just taking it back now that you're married? That's, how that's, weird. That's another show. Yeah. Okay. Well, sorry about your mom. Give us a call back, 323-450-7408. I'm eating a bite of a cake pop. I apologize for eating into the microphone. Give us a call back and um, let us know. Let yeah. us know what happens, what you decide to do. We um, would love to talk to you more about it. Okay. Do you have more calls? Mm-hmm. All right. Let's do it. Hi, Malls, Christina, and guests. I am a longtime listener of the podcast. I think I've been listening for the last couple of years. Started after a breakup, and it was honestly the best thing to ever happen to me. It quieted all the thoughts I had while my hour commute was going on on the train, so I wasn't obsessing over it anymore, and also could just hear everybody else's problems, and mine didn't seem so bad. Um, But obviously now I do have a problem because I'm calling in. I'm sitting alone in a hotel room in San Antonio right now, 
so I'm bored. There's nothing to do here. There's nothing to eat besides fried food. I went to Whole Foods and made a massive salad and have quarantined myself in my hotel room until I take off because I'm on work travel. So anyway, um, here's my dilemma. I started dating an amazing guy about a year and a half ago, and my friends don't seem to like him as much as I thought they would. I've known these girls since college. I'm about a couple years out now, so I've known them for about seven or eight years. I'm uh, 26 years old. That took me a second. And my boyfriend's 28. We were amazing together. Um, He's the best guy for me. My girlfriends have seen me through a string of non-committal relationships throughout college and after, and I've been treated like shit, and this guy is above and beyond. So I don't know what it is that they don't see in him. Um, they've only met him a handful of times. All of, Everyone has been drunk every time they met him. I think that has something to do with it. But the, the real thing is I was diagnosed with herpes about two months into dating him. I had no idea that I had it. Most people don't know. That's also something to note because you don't get tested for it unless you specifically ask. So while we had both been tested and committed to each other that we had been, that one slipped the radar and I ended up giving it to him. Now you can imagine two months into a relationship, you're thinking that this is the worst possible thing you could do to a person. And not only was did he handle this with the most grace and compassion of anyone, I wouldn't have handled it as good as he did. And I, I consider myself to be a, a trusting, kind person. Um, so that's why it breaks my heart. My friends don't know, most of them. I've told my very close friend. If they knew what he had done for me and what he continues to do for me over the last year and a half... I think they would regard him with a little bit more patience and kindness. And I just just don't know why they don't. (laughs) Sorry. Um, I don't know. And it's really frustrating because I trust my friends. I love listening to their judgment, their, um, their opinions. And it's making me doubt my relationship. And that's the last thing I want to do because I don't want to lose him. So please advise. Thank you. Okay, so you said that there was also a little update. Well, she sent a note with the the letter. She said, these friends are all out of town, which is why they've only met him a few times. They also have not said this to my face that they don't like him. But from us being so close, I can tell. Comments like, he's great for right now. And a friend telling me that his comments made her question him and where I'm getting this from. They all say it's the best they think the world of me and want the best for me. But I think they're good at keeping me from the best. But I think they're keeping me from the best. Okay, so I would need to know what those comments are that your friend is talking about. I think that that would make a world of difference. You know, I'm really – first of all, I'm sorry that you're going through this. That is like, you know, obviously it is not the end of the world to get herpes. I think that – but I think that like – that boom dropping of finding out that you have a diagnosis is a moment that a lot of people fear um, actively. Like I know more people that have that active fear because of their stigma or whatever. And now that you've lived with it and you've actually had to tell someone you care about, not only do I have herpes, but I gave it to you. Um, That is a 
Go, sorry, what? There was. I found the other email that she was talking about. To follow up on this, their reasoning for not liking my boyfriend is, I think mainly they don't see us fitting together. They don't think he's as funny as I am. They don't think he's the type of guy I typically end up. While we were drinking, he made a comment about how it was annoying my friend from out of town was on the phone the whole time, which it was, and everyone agreed, but somehow they're using it against him. He also asked a friend who was flirting with a guy at the bar if she was, quote, going to fuck him or not. To his defense, he was very drunk, and this particular friend has a bit of a reputation. Oh, I talked that's to him. Mean, then. I talked with him about his comment the next day, and he not only felt embarrassed, but wanted to go above and beyond to apologize to them. He doesn't always have a filter, which I have a problem with people like that, but whatever. He'll talk first, think later, but always has the best of intention. If I think they didn't judge him within the first five minutes of meeting him, they'd see that. Sorry, I just didn't know how to fill all these details in three minutes. I'm going to tell you one thing. I actually have no problem with him making a joke like, oh, are you going to fuck that guy later or something? I actually think that's funny. What I don't like about it is that it's your friend that has a reputation. I think that that's really fucked up. And that's what makes the difference between that being something that could fly as a joke and just kind of being cruel and a little bit mean-spirited and a sign of how he treats women and thinks of them. Um, Now, I want to make sure that you know that, like, first of all, your friends obviously don't know the full story. If if only one of them knows the herpes thing, which I'm going to throw out there to you, it's probably unlikely that only one of them still knows because that's exactly the type of thing that people say they're going to keep a secret and turn around and repeat, which is why I always am like, even be careful with your best friends about stuff like that because people can't always honor that promise um, that they're not going to tell. And uh, especially if you say promise not to tell before. Um, so... My my big thing here is that just because I don't want you to get scared into thinking that you have to stay this in this relationship because this guy handled this unique situation. You've never been in a dating situation where you've had to say I have herpes or have given someone herpes. How do you know this guy didn't give you herpes, by the way? Um, I, uh, I do think that there's um, – there's – a lot of scenarios in which – Right. Maybe that's why he's taking it so well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I wondered about that too. Yeah. And also yeah. like why are – I mean I'm, I'm just going to say I think eight weeks into dating someone is a little bit early to not be using protection with them anymore. But I know that you can get herpes even with, with using protection. But um, I – yeah, I mean and also you know how how much less likely it is for a woman to give a guy herpes during a non-outbreak, right? Okay. Just want to throw those thoughts out there. Um, but just because he is the first person who you've dealt with in this scenario that you view as very, very scary and possibly even some sort of version of a nightmare that like most guys wouldn't forgive doesn't mean that he's your soulmate. And I think that your friends are being really unfair and that you need to date who you want to date. And if you're so desperate for the approval of your friends that don't even live in the same town as you anymore, you know, maybe you need to go to therapy. Maybe you should ask a therapist who can sit in front of you and really hear more of the meat of your problems. But I am going to say that, like, if if this guy starts to, you know, I I would I would really not be quick to throw away that that's he said that to your friend, and I know that he wanted to go back and take it back the next day because I think the sober version of us always wants to make up for what the drunk version of us did. I, I mean, he'd be a fucking monster if he didn't want to apologize for that. But I mean, I would never. I personally would never forget that he took my friend that. That, which by the way, like, why are you even telling him she has a reputation? 
Like, I don't know. I just, I, girl, I just don't, I don't, I think that, I think it's too early for you to tell whether or not this is a great relationship or not. And I don't want you to feel like you have to be in it because he handled the herpes thing well. And, you know, you don't know how well every other guy is going to handle that. Because maybe, maybe, you know, I've heard more often than not, I've had a lot of people who have dated people with herpes or have herpes and then dated. And I've really heard very few examples of it being a disastrous relationship ending thing if you guys are really in sync as a couple. You know, I I also know people who have married the first person who've accepted them after they've come out as having herpes. So I don't, you know, I don't know. What do you think? I'm sorry to hear about the herpes part, but I, I know with Molly, uh, it's, Molly not, it's not the end of the world. No, it's, no, it's, it's not the end. Of, yeah. It's not the end of the world. It's just but always an unpleasant surprise. It yeah. is. But I kind of think of it differently. I think your friends who know you really well, um, if they see something in your boyfriend that they don't like, I'd be a little bit, I would, I don't know how long you've been in the relationship. Did you say how long? She said like, I, it seems like under six months. Yeah. I think your friends being your friends, I, and I see that they're out of town or whatever, but they know who you are. Um, I think sometimes your friends have an instinct that maybe you don't see something that they see. Yeah. So. Right. Because when you're in love with someone yeah, in that honeymoon phase, yeah, yes. you're not like a, you're not a person. You're and like, you add on the fact that this girl is a little bit traumatized by yes. the fact that she just found out about this diagnosis. And then even worst case scenario, I think most of us fear not just doing something to ourselves, but hurting another person. And then he takes that situation with grace and humility. Right. And that's impressive. And best case. I would t- take it slowly and see where this relationship is. But I I always, I truly believe that your friends know you really well. And if they know that they see something in this guy that they don't like, um, kind of take it slowly. Kind of... Um, I don't know. I always feel that your friends... Let me tell you the situation that happened. When I was very yes, young... Yes, mom, give us a okay. for instance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Please. When I was young and I was dating my husband, I always used to hang out with a group of girls. And uh, and these were friendships that I had for many years. And this one... Uh, one of my girlfriends who I grew up with since we were in elementary school was going out with this, this guy. And we did not like him. We felt that... Um, he wasn't right for her. Mm-hmm. And we were all hanging out together, my husband and myself. We were boyfriend and girlfriend at the time. And my husband had made a comment. And the comment was that he felt that the guy wasn't good enough for her because he knew my mm-hmm. girlfriend for a long time. We all grew up together. And they took it negatively. But he was right. Because mm-hmm. she ended <laughs> up marrying the guy. And the guy turned out to be a real creep. Mm. He cheated on her. He did a lot of things. He took her money, mm. um, left her with two girls, um, and was an absent father. Mm-hmm. So in a way, my husband was kind of right about... I know. Dad had the good radar. Jeez. <laughs> so this is an example. Usually friends... But think- also listen to a guy who says that's not a good guy. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Because guys are usually pretty quiet about that. Yeah. They're not going to pigeon... If a guy puts it puts himself out there to say that, that's a big thing. Yeah. That's a big thing. But that's just an example of usually friends who know you for a long time and they see something in this guy. Just take it slowly. Take it slowly. Don't... Um, See where it takes you. See where this relationship takes you. I will also say something, though, with like, I think that I would have 
if someone like Christina came to me and said that, I'd be like, okay, because that's like like one person that is a good touchstone for me. But I think that if it was a group of people, I would automatically feel like there might be some sort of herd mentality or pack mentality, or maybe they are unhappy in their relationships and or like, you know, they all get together and they start talking and this person's talking about how this person betrayed them. And this person's talking about this betrayal or this disappointment. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, this one relationship is taking on the burden of everyone in the group's failed relationships. And I think that that's where sometimes I get a little bit nervous about just going with the group. I, I would really listen to your closest friend in the group or maybe your two closest friends in the group and figure out what – ask them to identify for you more what these issues are. Um, maybe explain it to them. I mean, I don't know. I think that if your one friend, if your one really close friend does know that you have about the herpes thing and still feels this way, then that's something that I would really consider. I, I do, but I do think that sometimes it's hard to take a group of people's opinions seriously because you're like, well, you guys are all off in your own world together. I'm over here trying to live my life. And for you to all come here, it's very convenient because you all have each other but I'm out here just trying to survive in my world, you know? I think my suggestion would be, like, I feel like there's probably, like, underlying tension there. And so you should – and in every in every single friend group, there's, like, a speaker of the house. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I would say maybe go to the speaker of the house of your friend group and be like, hey, I can tell this is awkward. There's been a couple missteps. Like, do you functionally feel that, like, this relationship isn't good? Or maybe just try to, like, talk it out with the person? Because it's affecting your life. Like you care about, let them know that you care about their opinions and it's Mm -hmm. important to you. But also let them know that this person means a lot to you. Yeah. I mean, I think that like literally just like saying like it breaks my heart like to know that you guys disapprove of this on such a level. Like that is something that I think any good friend should understand is that like you don't want to be in between that. No one wants to find themselves in that position between being like an outsider in their own friend group and having to turn their back on something that's made them very happy during a trying time in their life or someone that's already shown a sense of loyalty to them in the very short time that they've been together. You know, um, you're not wrong in saying that a, a, a lesser guy or a lesser partner would have flipped the fuck out on you about the herpes gone absolutely nuts you're absolutely right though by the way and if you guys don't know that out there you have to ask for a blood test when you get your stds checked if you want to make sure you don't have herpes that's the way you do that um because it's not in a standard pap smear so that's what she meant by that if you don't know um i just want to say one thing um maybe you need to talk to your friends to find out what it is just tell them how happy he makes you feel you know just tell them why he makes you happy you if you don't want to say anything about the herpes i I wouldn't say anything, but yeah, that's none of their business. Yeah, that's none of their business. But I think that you should. But if say, that's your main thing, if that's like, but we don't know if that's the main thing. Right. It's like one major thing, but it might not be the main thing. Yeah, but kind of have a conversation with your friends if they're really your friends. You you need to talk to them and tell them, look, this guy makes me happy, um, and this is the reason why he makes me happy, and just have a conversation with them to see honest conversation. That's a huge thing for me. You know, it's like if you truly do love these people, you should be comfortable being honest with them. I mean, it's hard, but you should want to be honest with them. And if you can't, then you really need to reassess some of your friendships. Very true. And if you get to a certain point in this relationship where you realize that perhaps his kindness to you and reaction to the herpes thing is the linchpin of your relationship and what's keeping you together – 
then you need to know that that's not a good enough linchpin and then that needs to go and that you will find someone else who is understanding and accepting of you because one, not only is herpes incredibly prevalent, but like you're 26 years old. I will tell you that your generation's opinion of anything from any from bisexuality to herpes is much more advanced than even my generation's uh, like understanding or opinions or how long it took us to get around to it. I mean, I know plenty of 33-year-olds that are still like, my biggest fear in life is getting herpes. And it's like, really? It's not like getting murdered in your sleep or any of the millions Being of other things, alive. having your health insurance taken away from you or anything else. Like you really, really your biggest fear in life is herpes. Like that is, I think 26-year-olds are much more... um uh, yeah, they're much more equipped now and, and open-minded than they than than twenty-six-year-olds were when I was twenty-six. So I don't know. I feel bad though, dude. I feel I like I don't I don't desire this at all. This situation at all. I don't I don't. I'm not envious of it. I feel terrible for you. But I will tell you, it's gonna sit with me weird probably always that your friend who has a little bit of a reputation, which I'm sorry, I'm going to say shame on you for repeating that to him, for putting that out there to him before they met or hung yeah. out. That's um, that's a shame on you moment, you know, just because what did your friend do that that deserves to have a comment like that thrown at her that's like, honestly, it's dehumanizing and degrading and not to throw stones, but you're in a position that <laughs> a lot of people would dehumanize and degrade you for. That's so right. just because you want to say like, oh, my friend from college was the slutty one or whatever. Well, maybe you're the slutty one now, you know, and in a lot of people's eyes, maybe they're looking at you like you're the slutty one. And that's why you're keeping the herpes thing private. So I just want to say maybe you need to work on being a little bit of a better friend too, because that's a really, really kind of shitty thing yeah, to repeat I'm, to your boyfriend. Oh, I hate that. I'm Don't just curious. Oh, if, it, if it was a guy, they wouldn't talk about a guy like that, right? Uh, no, or it'd be like, oh, it's so funny. Like, it's the way yeah. that, you know, Catherine's a slut, but Shep is amorous on yes. Southern Charm. Yeah, it's like, that's... that's but yeah. it's also just like, uh, like that's also I worry about things. I think about this a lot. My friends who are in long-term relationships, like how much are they sharing about when I tell them with their, par- with oh, their yeah. partner? You know what I mean? Like, how much do you share with dad with like what your friends tell you. Well, if I feel that I can share with him, whatever, he may have an opinion about it. Like my friend whose husband cheated, had cheated on her for 30 years. I thought it was this is a different friend, by the way. Yeah. My mom has a lot of friends, but I thought it was important that he, a lot of shit going down. In yeah. Brooklyn. I'm yeah. telling you, <laughs> but, um, 30 should, years with his ex-girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. 30 years that he had a relationship with both both my friend who he married and the other girl. So that's the situation. Don't trust anyone. <laughs> but do you see why I have a problems with guys cheating? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but no, here's the thing though, is that, that, that one, you know, you analyze something before you take it to your husband and tell him, but two, Willie's not the kind of guy who's going to say like, told you so. Like no, I told you 30 years not. ago at the bar that you shouldn't be with that guy. He's not that kind of guy. He's not arrogant. He would never use that against someone. No. You know, and to be honest, I think that that speaks to his character too. Even if he was drunk, you yeah. know, and he's like, oh, is she going to blow that guy? Like, even if he was drunk, that's still very revealing of his psyche and what he thinks of your 100%, friend. 100%. 100%. So don't let him off and the I hook for that. I will say that you walked him into that situation yeah. and that's something that you should not be proud of. And I won't say that again, but I want to just let you know that really kind of bums me out like girl to girl that bums me out one thing that I will say just to speak to your point is that one thing you realize in a relationship especially after you listen to him talk about his friends is how little they give a shit about what's going on in your friends lives (laughs) because I've had things repeated to me I'm like why do you think I care about that oh like Dave is doing that oh 
cool. Like, I don't care. Like, I've got my own life over here. I'm worried about my own friends. You know what I mean? <laughs> Go deal with your messy friends in your own time. Like, you know, you never want you never want to see someone you care about, someone that someone you care about cares about be hurt. Like, you never would want that. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think that's really gross that he did that to her. And I, if I was your friend group, I would – I would have major I would ne- I probably would never not think about that. So I just think him being drunk is not an excuse for him saying what he did. No, and and him being coming waking up the next day and being like, <laughs> "Oh, I want to apologize." Like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I got drunk last night and made an off-color comment to your friend." Not I mean, I on it again, if your friend wasn't if he wasn't working off the knowledge base that your friend has a past, which again are the words that came out of your mouth. So I would also really think about how you think about your own friend cuz that's fucked up and secondly um if he if he if he if it ha- if it hadn't been the friend with the past then i think that it would be funny but i think that i think that him waking up and trying to save face is just literally a human in a survival instinct um and maybe you know he's been forgiving of the herpes thing maybe he's been you know super forgiving when realizing that he showed a little bit too much of himself um when he was drunk Whatever, I think that you also um, need to realize that that could be because he knows he's getting away with murder and that he knows that he's you're too good for him and that he knows that, you know, he'd be lucky to get herpes from you, you know? And I think that there's plenty of guys out there that think that way and that would operate from that place. So just, you know, always remember that element of things too. You, it really is – it really, really – it's really important. Um, one more thing. Oh, God, I want to say something else. Any more thoughts from you guys while I try and remember this thing? I just think that um, if it's important to you to have this relationship, whatever he makes you feel, if he makes you feel happy, if it makes you, I think I would take it slow. Take it slow with the relationship. And I would have have a, a talk with your girlfriends and see, and you need to let them know, you know, maybe you should have an honest talk and say, well, what is it that you don't like about him? And maybe they can give you some positive feedback. Yeah, like you need a little bit more than the superficial, like, you know, we think you can do better. He's fine. But right now, like that's that is those are opinions are not necessarily constructive. Um, And maybe you need some more constructive feedback from them because it's obviously something that you're thinking about. I would say maybe take them on one on one because I worry if you do it yes. all in a group, that that's, become, I don't love I, the group. then it's going to yeah. become like I a agree. dog pile. I agree with one on one. I yeah. don't love the group. I will tell you. I, and that's why generally I avoid groups. I don't like them. I think that it's the setup for a lot of failure in big groups. But um, I don't even like when it's like me and two other people. <laughs> no, I do. I, I'd say I do. I do well with me and two other people. Once it dips into a third person, I fall apart. I can't double date. I cannot double date. I don't know who talks when. I don't know what you're supposed to say. I don't know who like I don't know who you're supposed to listen to. I never know what to do in a double date. It's like literally my nightmare. I'm so bad at double dates, especially if it's like I'm with a boyfriend and then it's like my boyfriend's friend and some girl that I don't know and then and then he this is a brand new chick. I'm like, "Oh, what yeah. am I supposed to do?" I used to be really good at being a third wheel. I am no longer like a third wheeler. I just like yeah. I'm not here for it. Yeah. Um, but oh, one thing I was going to say is, especially if you guys have been dating under a year, is just remember kind of the rule of in order to like fully understand who you're dating, you need to spend all four seasons with them. You need to spend an entire year with someone before you really know who they are. And you definitely need to get at least past the six month mark before you're dealing with who they are as an actual person, because 
there's this expression that I love, which is that for the first six months of a relationship, you're dating someone's representative. They're, you're dating the best version of themselves that they can put out there to you because no one's going to show their ass like six months before six months in. You know, at six months, it starts to be a little bit hard to carry the charade on. So I would uh, – if it's only been six months, maybe you don't really know who this guy is and – I don't know. It would bother me a lot more that he said something like that to my friend. I I would feel betrayed by that. I would feel like that was a betrayal of trust that I intimated to him that my friend was slutty in college and then he went ahead and turned around and said something that embarrassed me, him, and her. Um, I would view that as a major betrayal of trust. And also, you know, make sure that you have yourself – I can't get – drive someone up. Another guy will forgive you for having herpes. So if you're staying with him because you think he's the only yeah. one who will handle this with grace, that's, yeah, that's not the best reason. That's the thing that I'm uncomfortable about. The way, you know, because you you feel that you gave him herpes and the way he accepted that. So I don't know if this is a guilt thing that you think, think that he's guilt. great or, you know, I'm not too sure about that. I'm sensing a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. Yeah coming from that i really Maybe am if you think that because you do have herpes that you're not going to be able to have another relationship but you know herpes like you said molly it's not but I'm you coming. can yeah yeah and i think that also i mean you've probably done the math on this there's plenty of ways i think that they can tell which partner usually gave it to the other now because you can tell by what stage the herpes is in like how advanced it's been how long it's been in your body but um I would consider asking yourself if you know factually that you were the one that gave it to him. I agree. You know, so. Um, okay. Well, definitely update us. 323-450-7408. I definitely need an update about this. Um, I'd like to hear your thoughts on kind of some of the stuff we touched on that maybe you didn't really get into in your letter, but that stood out to us. So, um, yeah, call us back and good luck with everything. Good uh, luck. Good luck. You might need it. Uh, let's take our next call. Hey, Malls, Christina, and guest, there's one this week. My name's Robert. I'm just calling to get some advice on some things I should do in Boston. I'm currently um, about to move to Dorchester in a couple days, and I grew up kind of in Dorchester area. Um, my family lived there, so I kind of spent a lot of time there, but I never had any chance to go out and, like, do shit in Boston. Um, so I was wondering if you had any recommendations or if, like, anything um, I should definitely check out or maybe stay away from. Um, anything would be great. I called a couple times before. I was the one who called the white guy who was super trash talking about white privilege and how much white people need to not suck anymore. Also about possibly moving to L.A., but that did not work out. Um, and it was some really great advice because it didn't you didn't sell it too well, um, which I know is not something you would recommend to someone that's not going into the entertainment industry. Um, so I could really use some help. Um, I'm Dad Bob's on Twitter. I try to pump you all up as much as possible. I super love everything that you do and I appreciate all the advice that you give. It really makes me super happy every time a new episode comes out. Um, so yeah, I would love your help. Um, any recommendations for anything in the Boston area would be great. Or if anyone from Mall's Army wants to get together, that'd be awesome too. Definitely need to meet some new friends out there. Um, yeah, so I'm a 23 year old gay man. I don't know if I mentioned that. Um, but, yeah, just trying to live my best possible life, and I could use some help. 
Thanks. Bye. Hey, Malls, Christina, and guests. I just had a second question. This is Robert again from the um, going to be moving to the Boston area. Um, so I'm going to be living with my aunt and uncle, and then my grandmother and my great aunt live on the first floor of that, like, double story. Um, but my great aunt and my grandmother don't know that I'm gay. My uncle and my aunt do. Um, but I was wondering if you had any tips or recommendations on how to come out to them. That's something that I haven't really thought about that much, and I'm not really sure how to do it. She's one of those, like, traditional types from the Boston area. Um, my grandmother has literally lived in Boston her entire life. Um, she is probably, like, one of 11, I think, and then has eight kids, one of the good old Catholics, you know the deal. Um... So, any tips or recommendations we help on speaking to, like, older generations about being gay? I'm not really sure how I'm going to do it, because uh, the past couple times I've done it, I've been like, to other people in my family, have been like, oh, I just like guys, or like, I'm gay, and then they've been like, oh, cool, no big deal. I really don't understand what to do if they don't take it well. So, any tips or recommendations really be helpful, because that's the really the only part I'm dreading about moving um, to that area. And I know that some of you will be like, oh, maybe don't just do anything. Just wait it out. But I don't know. Um, I don't think I can do that because my grandmother's relatively young. Um, So thanks. I appreciate it. All right. Bye. Okay. So. Okay. Boston. I'm glad you're moving to Boston. It's a great city. Make sure you have a really good North Face jacket. Remember that you the key to staying warm is to have your butt covered. So make sure it's a kind of long jacket. Um, Layer. It is. It's important to keep your ass covered. It really makes all the difference, those extra six inches of fabric. My mom's a big proponent of that. She has one of those coats that goes all the way down to your ankles. Yeah, I do too. Please, are you kidding? That's my North Face I bring everywhere. It's- Why are you pretending like you don't have that? Why? is Everyone should have one. Um, but... Um, okay. So first of all, Boston's a great, great, great city. Um, it's super fun. There's so much stuff to do. Um, I wouldn't really recommend staying away from anywhere. I think that a lot of people would tell you, you want to stay off Lansdowne street, which is, um, a lot of the clubs near Fenway park. But I also think that that can be really, really fun to take the tea in, buy a ticket from a scalper, go to Fenway park. You don't have to be a Red Sox fan to enjoy it because it's a beautiful historical stadium. And so historic stadium. So it's like the way that I would enjoy going to Wrigley field. I would enjoy going to Fenway. Um, just because it's, um, you don't get to see that. You don't really get, you don't really get that field from most ballparks. Um, you can't go wrong with any sort of sporting game. I will say that in general, Boston sports are just really fun to be at because the fans are very passionate. Um, I don't give a shit about the Clippers, but I had a lot of fun in a Clippers game this year because everyone there was really, really passionate about both Minnesota and the Clippers. So it was just really, it's really fun to be around that energy. And there's lots of ways to get into those events for very, very cheap. Um, I would definitely take advantage of all the free concerts they have at the Hatchell um, in uh, down, it's close to downtown. Um, there's like, I, I, when I was growing up, there's free concerts there pretty much every weekend during the summer. Um, I would also recommend, um, as a gay man, I think you would have a lot of fun taking the bus down to Provincetown, um, or tip renting a car and driving down to Provincetown in Cape Cod. Um, 
off season or not, I feel like that could be like you could treat that the way that I treat Palm Springs, which is that a lot of times I go during the off season and get a really great rate. Um, I don't know where you're at financially, but if you are looking to save some money but still partake in those things, Provincetown is great. You know, in the fall, it's great in the early spring. Um, and those are time those are off season um times because no one's really going to the beach then. Um I think that there's there's always great music in Boston and you should just keep an eye out for that and look at the smaller venues. Like, um, I mean, for me, it was like Axis and Avalon. I don't know if those venues are still open, but there's always stuff like that going on. And then, of course, Boston is, is an amazing comedy city. Um, so you can spend a lot of time there. If you ever want to just like burn an afternoon, you kind of can't go wrong walking around Faneuil Hall trying different food. Um I always have loved Harvard Square. I could go park myself at that Newbury Comics in the garage for 15 hours. Like, not even a joke. I would go there as soon as it opened on a Saturday morning in my teen years and stay there and listen to different music and find new music till the wee hours. I know that we don't really live in a buying CD culture anymore, but if you're in a vinyl or if you want to hear some new stuff and see how you feel about it, it's just a good – there's a good pulse on that part of the city. Um, Pizzeria Regina has the best pizza, I think, in the country. Um, and uh, let me think what else. Um, you know, I always – I mean, I love going to Newbury. Like, you don't have to go into the fancy shops and spend a lot of money. Newbury is, like, kind of the Boston equivalent of, like, a Rodeo Drive or something. Um, it is, like, a big mall. But, um, you know, you can spend a lot of time there seeing a lot of different types of people, going to a lot of different types of stores. Um my cousin lives in Jamaica Plain right now. She works for the mayor. Um, I actually should see if you and Liz, if Liz would want to meet up with someone from Please Advise Nation. My cousin Liz is very involved in the city, and she is a lot of fun. So um, I should, if she, if you want to meet my cousin, let me see if she wants to meet someone from Please Advise Nation. I'm sure she would do that for me. Meet up for a drink. How could that hurt? Um, yeah, but in yeah. Public space. Yeah. Copley. Like I just would go to I mean, that's where I when I go home, I go to Copley a lot and just like Copley Square and just walk around and look at the stores. And, you know, I there's I love the feeling of walking out of the subway, the Copley subway station into Boston in the middle of September, like or at the very beginning of September. You can like smell change in the air. It's like literally the most palpable sense of change I've ever felt in my life. Like I used to go to school back there, spend a lot of time there um, when I wasn't at school and getting off that Copley subway station at the very beginning of September was like, it's a transformative thing because you can feel the weather changing. You can feel it's back to school season. What I love about Boston is that you can feel the seasonal change more than you can almost anywhere else. And what's so great about that is that you always feel like there's forward movement being made and progress being made, which is a really exciting thing. Um, and, of course, you can feel that in most East Coast cities, but Boston is just very much – the weather changes every 15 minutes. It's like – it's it's a wild – it's a – you you never feel stuck in Boston, I'll tell you that much. And I feel very stuck in L.A., which is why I'm glad you're not here. Um, in terms of the coming out thing, I always – I'll let you guys talk, I, but I will say that I always go to Dan Savage's advice for this sort of thing. So I would, if I were you, look up an episode of Savage Love where he is dealing with a very similar case. I would say there's probably one call, at least one call like this once every two months on Savage Love. So I would make a point to listen to that because he is going to give you the best. He's going to give you better advice than I can as a straight 
non-queer person. Um, but I, you know, I find that often more times than not, your family already knows to a certain extent, especially families, especially families in Boston. We talk. You know what I mean? There could have been someone in your family who's already said something to one of your aunts or whatever. So they might already know. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys think? I'll Any Boston? I'll Boston defer either? to you, mom. I mean, <laughs> Molly could be right. They probably already know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, listen, what can you say? You just say, hey, I'm gay. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's all you can say. And if they accept it, they accept it. And if they don't, they don't. I mean, I, I understand the Catholic upbringing. Um, I a would... lot of that is putting on airs, too. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people are very Catholic in front of the right people or in front of the people they want to be. But then at home, you know, things are a little bit more relaxed. Politics are a little bit more relaxed. Yeah. And it's like, it's different. She could say that about people, strangers. She might say something about strangers, but when it's her own grandson, Mm -hmm. then it's a completely different thing. And I will say that like my grandmother is super Catholic. Your mom, mom, your mom. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) My grandmother is super Catholic. But if I came out to her, and I I haven't yet, just because I don't really see a point. Like I live three thousand miles away from her, and like I don't know, no, she doesn't she need, need to know. To, yeah. yeah, but um, I think if I came out to her, she would be okay with it. I agree. <laughs> yeah, she does know what bisexuals are, though, because I asked her once. Because you know. When you're in the closet, you do that kind of poking around. Well, that probably tipped her off. I'm yeah. just going to throw that out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think she's that quick on the uptake, though. Right, right. Yeah. But I asked her if she knew, like, what bisexuals were, and she said, "See, si. Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, my God, she did. Yeah, that she was like, real- "See, si, Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah, like, so she's hip, to, she's, she's hip to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is really, that is really fucking, I didn't even know she was bi. And then she laughed. Yeah. I thought she was, I thought she she was just in a girl's interesting. Um, I heard she was going to quit the Fast and the Furious franchise if they didn't write her a better part. I mean, who could blame her? She's been playing second fiddle and she, she is supporting the franchise. But the thing is that like, I don't think people go to the movie to see her, you know? No, I know. But I think she can also say like, I don't need to show up for this. And by the way, like, does she need the check anymore? After your seventh Fast and Furious movie, do you really need the check anymore? Or are you just doing it to meet up with the old gang you know um <laughs> and do be. something in an exotic because they shoot yeah. in like 12 locations so yeah. it's like are you going on an exotic vacation and driving fast cars that could you- be like threatening to quit the real housewives though where they're like fine quit they're like fine then we'll find i would There's do it for the check 30 more thirsty um, old women in your that we could put in your spot if they go on location how long are they gonna well here's the thing i think she did pull this before because she was like her character spoilers her character died in a movie, but then it turned out that she, like, was just in an accident and lost her memory. And so then Diesel actually had another love interest for one movie, and then she came back. She's his love interest in these movies? Oh, yeah. Yes. She's married to him in the movies. Oh. I've never seen one. I've never seen any of them, I should uh, say. Not I've seen Fast and Furious 1. I have never seen any of them. I have seen all six. All, I've really? seen seven of them, yeah. Wow. They're just really entertaining movies. Maybe I saw the first one, actually. I also do kind of like Michelle Rodriguez, though. So yeah, she's problematic, though. Yeah, yeah. No, I know she's problematic, but um, but Robert, what I would say is just be honest. Yeah, and, and maybe I agree with Molly that maybe they know already. You, maybe you'd be surprised that they do know. And also, like, if your mom knows, I honestly I can never tell my mom a secret in my life because I knew my whole family would know. 
Like I really did. So I do think that there's a very, there's a pretty good chance that like if your mom knows, she might have talked to her own mom about it. You know, like that's not, a, that's not wildly uncommon in a lot of family. Yeah, lot of no, families. I definitely know. I feel like you told a lot of people when I got my period. Oh, that's my mom and I, I have no trust with her to this day because of that. Because I, I was so humiliated. Like for some reason with a lot of people don't talk about the shame that comes with getting your first period. Really? But a lot of women feel, I felt so ashamed. I was like, people are going to know I'm a woman now. Like people are going to, like, I was like, if if someone has a period, they have to have private parts. And now everyone's thinking about my private parts. Like I just remember being so ashamed. Like I just wanted to die. And I remember being like, I told my mom, Right when it happened, which shocked her because she goes, how long have you – and I was like, mom, it happened 10 minutes ago. Like, I don't know what's going on. It happened on my 13th birthday and I just remember <laughs> it was a lot of change for one day. And I remember saying like, please just don't tell anyone. And she – Did it really traumatize you, mom? I, I was just embarrassed. Okay. I was just embarrassed. I just feel – I felt like it was like akin to saying like I lost my virginity or something. Like it just it felt like very – personal private information yeah. and now I felt like just on blast. One thing I will say also is that I find that when you're telling some someone something, the more that you approach it like it's a big deal or that it's something they should be mad about, the more likely it is you're going to get that reaction. So like, oh yeah. If you're just kind of casual like, oh hey, like I'm gay by the way, like or oh I'm not seeing any guys, like if you just say it into conversation like that, then it's not that big of a deal. It's like, oh, okay, well, like that—that's not that big of a deal, like at all. But if you're like, so I have something to tell you, and you like lock the windows, and you like, you know, <laughs> like you make a big deal of it, they're gonna feel like they're in emergency state. So, yeah, and you make it a lot bigger in your head than you than it actually is. Yeah, it's. I think that once you rip the bandaid off, and then from going from there, I would say just follow that Dan Savage textbook, which there's pretty. Like, he has pretty broken down system, which is kind of like, you know, it definitely involves a period of not talking to your family that's maybe not going to support you, you know, like maybe cutting moving yourself away from that a little bit or having your family members that do know and support you stand up for you and kind of say, well, you know, if you're not going to like, if you're not going to, you know, appreciate my son for who he is, then I don't want you at my house, mom, you know, like that could be I don't know. That's that's how he handled it. And you should listen to him say it because he does it from a much more place of knowing yeah. than I yeah. I do. Than I do either too. Yeah. So um yeah. All right. Well, Diana, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you. It was great. I hope you guys have a bitchin' week. I'm on my way to Austin, Texas, baby. I'm Enjoy. glad I got to see you. I know. When are you when are you leaving? I'm leaving Friday. Oh, okay. So Oh, well, no, I'm doing the Lifetime podcast on Friday. Yeah. I'm not going to see you again. Yeah. But I hope you guys have always great seeing you. Always. And um, I need to come back to New York this year. I have to. I haven't been to New York in probably since I was there with you guys. I don't think I don't. Oh, yeah. Maybe no one other time for work I went. Oh, yeah. But I've really never. I haven't been back to New York in like years. Let me know. Yeah. I would love to see you. I'll meet you up in the city. Absolutely. Um, and uh, she just winked at me. <laughs> what does that mean? We're gonna go get cocktails and talk shit about yeah. you. Yeah, we're gonna have a Sex in the City walk and talk moment. Oh man, um, go buy My some mom's Manolo a total I know. <laughs> she was making dick jokes about the mic before we started recording. That's right. She was. She was. Oh my god, so funny. 
Um, well, and Molly didn't expect that from me, right? No, now. I didn't. Well, no, I well, know, now that you know where got, I get it from. Oh, I know, I know you've got, I know you've got some. That's why I call you Dirty Diana One Hundred. Like that's your screen name. I told you years ago that would be your screen name if you had one. I think that, yeah, I could see it. I know Christina has a little wild streak to her too. Sometimes I can't believe the shit that comes out of her mouth. So. <laughs> Which is always funny though because she's it's like unpredictable. So like when she says something, I'm just extra shocked. It's like. I get it from you and dad. I think the shock is gone with me with a lot of people. But like with when Christina says something, I'm like, oh, my God, you too. Like, (laughs) um, but yeah, thank you so much, you guys. Um, Christina, do you have anything you want to say to your mom? Mom, I love you. I love you, honey. I love you, Molly. I love you, too. I love you so (laughs) much. I love both of you so much. Two of my favorite people in the whole world. Um, I wish Willie was here. Yeah. Um, And I can't wait to meet your granddaughter in a couple weeks. Wait till you you see her. I can make you laugh. I know. I bet she is. Christina sends me pictures all the time. Like, they're such – they're so exciting. It's, like, such a joy to see how big she's getting. And she's so – she is very funny. She's very funny. She is. She serves face. Um, (laughs) All right, you guys. I will talk to you next week or no in a couple weeks we're gonna take a little bit of a break um which means that this is the right time for you guys to call 323-450-7408 or email your voice notes to askpleaseadvise at gmail.com or your letters or whatever i'm gonna try and record a couple episodes while i'm in austin i'm gonna be with my friend jay reyna who a lot of you guys know from um emotionally broken psychos my friend leah who some of you guys know i met at the emotionally broken psychos meetup last time i was in austin stacy jones is going to be there ronnie Karam is going to be there so there's going to be a lot of please advise people in my presence when i'm in austin and so i'm going to try and record some stuff for you um letters and whatnot but we need to bank calls because just like everything else we are slow on calls in the summer everything is slower in la Business is just fucking halted, come to a dead halt in the summer, every summer. Yeah, and I get a lot of emails sometimes about, like, why haven't you played my call? And I had to explain this to one other person, and I was fine with it. But just know that, like, if it's very similar to a call that we've gotten and covered extensively in the last, like, three months, I usually won't air it. Or I hold it for the right guest. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, because sometimes there are very heavy questions that I feel like we need someone who has that life experience Mm -hmm. to weigh in on. So we'll get to it. Um. Also, just don't take it personally, please. When you guys like come to me and you say like, "Oh, I called." Like, did you hear my call? I don't listen to your calls. Christine listens to your calls. And also, when people are like, "I hope you destroyed the previous call that I left," it's like people always are like, "No, yeah. they don't just want you to use the call that they've that they're about to do. They want you to destroy the call from beforehand." <laughs> and so, just so you know, we don't save those and like I've never heard any of these calls that happen. These 14-minute calls, these like big screw-ups that took you seven messages to leave. <laughs> I don't hear any of that. So, don't worry. I'm not you're you're only embarrassing yourself in front of Christina who is very uh forgiving. Yeah. Christina is very forgiving. Uh she's a good place to throw your your uh dirty secrets at. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks so much. Thank Talk you guys you for listening to Molly and Christina. I really appreciate Aww, it. Oh, mom. <laughs> I love you. Yeah, Christina's the best producer. All right, you guys. I love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.